Hola, Gavin. <laughs> Hi, Louis. I'm I'm reporting live from the border, so I'm you speaking. Are. I'm speaking the tongue of my people. Okay, I'm getting the flavor. <laughs> I was I was nervous because like I'm like I know Spanish a little bit, but I shouldn't do it because I am Take white. Take a risk. Oh. Take a risk. <laughs> okay, that was, come was on. Like, <laughs> also, it's literally the word hola. Like I think I know, <laughs> but I just I want to be sensitive. Right, right. We're sensitive Very, gals here. We're sensitive we gals truly here. are. Um, hi everyone, welcome to the Mixed Reviews. <laughs> we are a film podcast where we take a film subject, such as an actor, an actress, a director, or a mini-genre, and we take two weeks and we fill our brains full of so much information it's about to burst, and then we mm-hmm. shoot it all back out at you and tell you what we like and what we don't like. Gavin, do we burst all over our listeners? Oh, I'm oh about to burst! I'm about to bust, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, we do our best, we, we watch as much as we can in two weeks, and then we have some fun, we mix it up, and sometimes we bring some friends along for the ride. Please welcome to the stage. (laughs) Today we have with us the wonderful, the amazing, the, I'm trying to think of other adjectives. There's effervescent. Mm. Is that too much? Mm. (laughs) Sprightly. Translucent. Translucent. (laughs) Mitchell Boupre. Hello, hello, hello. I I did do that right, right? Because I've listened to you on other podcasts and they've gotten it wrong. And I'm like, I will not fall into this trap. Yeah, close enough, I think. Oh, I close really, enough. Was... Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, um, Mitchell, now correct me if I'm wrong. You are a little movie baron over at Letterboxd. So I'm like... That's my job title is movie baron. <laughs> movie baron. <laughs> okay. I just watched Miss Julie. There's a baron involved. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the were headspace. You, were you promoted from Film Czar? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film Czar didn't pay as well. So, you know, I, I got the slot in for movie baron. I, I appreciate the upgrade. It's a better apartment. Just right. better lifestyle right. all around. I, I only bring it up because I'm like, okay, we're around movie royalty. Someone who knows their <laughs> shit. Louis, you get your shit together. <laughs> I can delete letterbox accounts if this goes poorly. <laughs> Gavin found shaking. There is a uh, there is a very dormant mixed reviews letterbox account that uh, needs updating at some point. So please don't delete that one. But uh, you are a Renaissance person. You are your writer. You are been on one billion podcasts, which I actually said right before we started recording, and I'm just stealing from myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, steal from the best. Okay, and never afraid to reference or not reference. Exactly. <laughs> and so, so what? I mean, what? What can't you do? <laughs> Let's start there. Um, run for long distances. That's a hard I one. would say any yeah. any like physical exertion for more than about 10, 15 seconds. Sure. It's, it's it gets tough. It gets tough. It's why I'm a writer. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Um, before we get into why Mitchell has collected us here today. Um, <laughs> On this episode, we have a little bit of old business. Uh, Gavin, I believe you have a review for us. I do. So we got one more new review, as I've been saying over the last, I don't know, one billion episodes. (laughs) If our listeners could go to Apple Podcasts, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and write us a little review, that would be wonderful. I'm trying to get us to 100 reviews by the end of 2022, because uh, we're a podcast that's been around for five years, and I know people that have podcasts for three weeks that get thousands of reviews. <laughs> so I'm just really trying, guys. We gotta I'm release. Trying. Fuck you, Quinn Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> we gotta release uh, the dick pics. I... I <laughs> Wow, I I had a I had a follow up to Mitchell's joke, none to Louis. And but Let's we go did back. Get, Let's rewind. Let's rewind. Fine. We did get a new review uh entitled Cured My Depression. Aww. It is from Restless Mal 
and it is just the 100 emoji. Wow. That's literally all you have to do. That's if it. you want to review do. us on Apple Podcasts, drop by, leave a little emoji, write a little word. If you just want to write Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm, we're going to get to it someday. Uh-huh. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be two episodes, <laughs> but we're going to get to it. But yeah, please do leave us a rating and review, and we would love that because Excellent. it lets other people get us. Mao, I'm I'm happy to be at service in um, your quest to mental health. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening and leaving us those wonderful ratings and reviews. Um, on our last episode, we talked about the tip spot queen herself, Miss Joan Cusack, um, and had a ball doing that episode. We asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite movie, and here are the results. Um, tied in last place is in and out and other. Um, so we did have some people, um, leaving some comments about broadcast news, some yeah. toy story. Um, uh, so we, we got a good selection of other. I actually got one person extolling their love for toys and I was like, yes, my people. Mm-hmm, my- mm-hmm. <laughs> you were like, look at my collection. Um, <laughs> someone also mentioned high fidelity. So all good things. Um, and then working girl came in at second place with 22%. And the, you know, the top dog that me and Gavin both picked, Adam's yeah. family, coming in at 56%. Um, <gasps> Gasp! <laughs> I know. It's just undeniable. Undeniable, but, you know, we love them all. Uh, Mitchell, do you have any uh, fave Joan Cusack movies? Yeah, I so I voted for Working Girl in the poll because I didn't want to waste a vote on other. But I think that ultimately my favorite is probably School of Rock. Okay, I, yes. I really love her in School of Rock she's as the, so the principal. She's so good. She's like super sexy in it, which is like yeah. rad. Um, she doesn't get to do that a lot. I love. I honestly love that you guys just did an episode on her in general because she is like really underrated, which makes no sense at this point. She should be properly rated. But yeah, it's it's really bonkers because she is underrated and yet still has somehow had two Academy Award nominations. Yeah, yeah right. But, yeah. but like not a name that comes to people's minds, not the, like at the forefront. And that's sort of what I love about doing this show is that, well, first of all, that we can do whatever we want. And that's <laughs> we are literally beholden to no one. <laughs> but the you know, that we get to do such a wide variety of things, you know, whether it's a weird genre or, you know, a character actor who doesn't get as much love uh, like Louis was was saying at the beginning of that last episode i was scared it was going to be like a stanley tucci because that was really our first foray into character actors and i mean a little bit was but it was also like i don't know she she gives so much depth even in right it's incredible she's able to like deliver she she has so much energy and like physicality that doesn't matter she's she's that girl in the neck brace and it's like god i'll remember that forever (laughs) Yeah, I was um, looking through like kind of her just her filmography when you guys did the episode, and I remembered to the when she did the series finale of The Office, mm-hmm. it's like she's in just the, the one episode, yep, and yep. I just remember that every single time I watch the episode, she makes me cry in like <laughs> literally her, her like immediate first scene as like Aaron's mom coming back to like reunite with her, and it's like yeah, she can just come in for a second and completely like steal it, make you fully believe a character. Yeah, totally. Well, Joan, we love that episode. We love you. Um, But let's move on to why we're here today. Um, Mitchell, as our guest, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about today? Sure. So today we will be talking about the one and only Colin Farrell, somehow still never nominated for an Academy Award. I know. I've been saying that for three days now. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, what, 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 what made you think of him um, as uh, uh, someone for us to cover? 
Yeah, he's he's one of I think the best working actors right now. Um, so that's like why he immediately came to mind. But why I wanted him over like anybody else, I gave Gavin I think like a list of like five different people that I thought would be good, and I said Colin Farrell number one though. If you guys were into that as an idea, I think that he he's somebody who has. A lot of films that definitely vary the range of good to bad, as we'll discuss. But um, he, as Gavin and I were kind of talking earlier in DMs, like even the bad ones are not like chores to get through, which especially as you guys, I'm sure, know, doing a show like this, like there are actors who you think like, oh, this is one of the best actors of all time. Like, I'm not going to get bored of any of these movies. And then you get like a week into it and it's just like film after film after film that you're struggling to get through. I feel like Colin Farrell doesn't really have too many of those maybe one or two but usually like, the bad ones are still like super watchable yeah and like he's generally pretty good in them there's probably only a couple bad performances of his yeah i was thinking like as i was watching um a home at the end of the world today i was like just just try and describe colin farrell without saying like brooding he is just the master <laughs> brooder um just so charming and has sexual sexual chemistry with like a lamp like it's crazy yeah. <laughs> it's crazy and you know he came up during the like the aughts where everyone just wanted like the hot white leading man to be hot and white and he like did that for a little while but i'm so happy that he's been able to reach out and do weird fucking like literally such weird <laughs> movies where i'm like huh and he delivers. It's great. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is we're going to talk about his age in a second. But I think that's an, another important thing to really keep in mind as we're talking through this episode. He's really only been famous for 20 years. 20 years. That's it. Yeah. It's not like a massive, but it feels like he's been there all along because he was yeah. such an instant skyrocket into the fame monster, if you will. Thank you, Gaga. <laughs> Thank you, Gaga. And, uh, <laughs> and I think... I think what's also interesting is because he is so young, you he's somebody you can sort of chart his the way that he gets better over time, which is not to say yeah. that the, there's always, you know, he is good in some of the earlier stuff. I don't want to take away from that, but there, you know, he got thrust into some stuff early that I'm just like, oof, boy, you were not ready for this. It was the like Hollywood first millennial celebrity. I mean, I remember being like a teen and being like, oh, there are like naked pictures of Colin Farrell out there. Like they were, he was, yeah. he was the bad boy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, Definitely. it was drinking. It was drugs. It was partying. It was Britney Spears. Sex with, uh, yeah. Britney Spears. Crazy. On, <laughs> on the opposite end. So Britney Spears, Elizabeth Taylor. These are the women he was dating. Like Honey, she came straight from Ireland and said, "Who's ready to fuck?" Okay, like, <laughs> exactly. Um, he said, "Hey, I got a swap premiere to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Who's available tonight?" Um, yeah, so he's like a really interesting person to to do a dissection on because it's it's almost like. I don't know, do, do we have celebrities like that anymore? Because we also don't, we have a really bad sort of celebrity problem here in the U.S. and a really bad paparazzi problem in that sort of situation. But it's not anywhere near the level it was when he got his start. Yeah. And so is he sort of the last of that tabloid celebrity, like the tail end of that tabloid celebrity that was sort of made yeah. in that era and now is like yeah. beyond it? 
Right. Yeah, I definitely think because it was like around that same time period of like the the Ben and J Lo stuff, but Ben was yeah. already like well established yeah. from the like '90s stuff going into it. So yeah, Colin does seem like, especially as like a male star, kind of the last yeah that last segment of people who were born into the spotlight from paparazzi and like that whole like yeah tabloid culture where your understanding of who they are comes from that so like growing up i so i was born in 1990 so like that shut up you baby (laughs) (laughs) that sort of period of like 2002 to 2006 where he was in like the tabloid and all over the the news cycle like that like that was how i saw colin farrell and like how i got introduced to him was seeing him as you know the like train wreck kind of bad boy right and also it's weird i was just thinking right now like he was one of the rare male stars that was like sexualized you know like it wasn't very common it was like oh he's a drinker partier bad boy but like it was also like oh he looks very hot (laughs) and we want to see him without a shirt on all the time and it and it, it that's what he was i don't know it's it's weird we don't get a lot of um, sexualized celebrities, um, especially from that era of like super macho nonsense. But I digress. We will get into all this and more. Um, Gavin, why don't we go back into the rewind? Colin James Farrell was born May 31st, 1976. Uh, he is 46 years old, as I mentioned. He was born in Castle Knock, which is a suburb of Dublin. His mother was Rita, and his father was Eamon Farrell. Uh, his father played football for the Shamrock Rovers FC and ran a health food shop. And it's funny because I've watched interviews with him where he like starts off by being like, oh yeah, culture was all around. It was music and storytelling, just the way that Americans picture Ireland. And he's like, none of that is true. <laughs> My father was an, was an athlete, was a professional footballer, soccer player. And... Um, and and so that was really the only particular kind of structure I remember in my relationship between he and I and and my parents came from working class stock which doesn't of course exclude them from having an interest in the arts but for whatever reason there was no songs there was no stories there was no uh, trips to the theater the cinema was once in every blue moon but I kind of had a love for film from a very from a very early age, and I, I just found it very affecting from a very early age. He ends up being educated at the St. Brigard's National School, followed by an exclusive all-boys private school, Castlenock College, and then Gormanston College in County Meath, all very Irish. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, Castlenock sounds very <laughs> fake, let me say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you, I mean, I now want to just be like, oh yeah, I'm from Castlenock. Just see <laughs> what people do. Castlenock? Hmm. Um, have you not? It's in upstate New York. And yeah, during this time, his older brother is starting to take dance classes from this woman that he's just met that has emigrated from the U.S. Uh, She's a line dancer. Mm -hmm. And he decides to pick up line dancing for himself. She teaches him things and he starts teaching line dancing. Cowboy hat, cowboy boots. (laughs) He's a dancer. Uh, He's in a club. Uh, He said he had on a white shirt and he was on some other stuff. Okay. And the producer of the boy band Boyzone spots him. <laughs> World famous Boyzone, of course. Yes, yeah, Boyzone. of course. Um, our British listeners know who Boyzone is. And they're like, hey, we're, we're doing an open audition. Would you like to come audition? I remember very clearly. He said, we're going to have open auditions, but it's not really open. We're just doing it for press and stuff like that. And we'll see. 
who sings and whatever. Will you come in and sing for us anyway? So I went into the Ormond Hotel and there's a bunch of queue around the corner, a bunch of lads. And uh, I think because I had a previous engagement with them that I could probably skip the queue. And, and I went up and I sang Careless Whisper. No. Yeah. Great tune. No, terrible Can tune. Can you sing? Coming out of this mouth. No, no, no. Terrible tune. Okay. Murdered it. Yeah. So bad they asked me to, could you do that a sec? Could you do, could you do that again? <laughs> and I sang it a second time. <laughs> and I... I, I didn't feel great about yeah, myself yeah. after that. <laughs> they said, I don't think that's the best you can do. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time he gets home, there's a call on his answer machine saying, ooh, yeah. Um, so sorry, babes. Yeah, it's not going to work out at this time. I don't think. Uh, I don't. <laughs> doesn't end up living the boy band dream. What's wild but, is you don't even have to be able to sing to be in a boy band, right? Like, you just have to be hot. I, yeah. I, I think it's a requirement for the audition. <laughs> You have to be able to sing in the room. You have to be passable. Yes. (laughs) I would say, like, three out of the five have to sing. The other two just got to have, like, rhythm. (laughs) I like that you did some dance moves there. Once again, not a visual medium, Louis. You got them down. That's just for us. That's just for us. A little show for us. Google's always watching. (laughs) From there, uh, his brother's like, hey, don't let this get you down. Why don't you try acting? You have this love of acting. And so he attends the Gaty School of Acting for a year. Uh, and also, I would like to point out during this time, he also goes and spends a year in Australia. And d- at this time in Australia, he like gets this love of like theater troops and and juggling and sort of a very circusy education, I would say, more Hot. so than acting. And then he gets this year of acting school, but he drops out after a year because he's offered a role on Bally Kiss Angel. Um, I could not find anything of his time on Bally Kiss Angel on the internet, which is bonkers because every time we do an episode like this, when we do Julianne Moore, I was able to find her on her soap operas. When when we did Chris Hemsworth, I was able to find him on his Australian soap opera. Right, right. Colin Farrell, I think he's had it scrubbed. Right. <laughs> you said, can find those line dancing videos of him on the internet. But exactly. Not, not the soap opera. But nothing of Bally Kiss Angel. I do want to hit one thing I don't know too much about, uh, but I do think it's an interesting thing to say. Uh, while he was in Sydney at the age of 18, he became the suspect in an attempted murder case. <laughs> the police stopped him because they had a police sketch that looked remarkably like him. And he didn't do himself any favors because in the interview room, he said he blacked out in the night of question. His only alibi was a journal kept by his friend. And in that journal, it explained that they had been taking MDMA on the other side of town that night. What kind of Brett Kavanaugh, like, (laughs) my calendar, like, that feels very... That feels like a plot of one of his movies. How is that not, you know? True. Um, That's in in Bruges, too. (laughs) <laughs> in 1999 he gets cast in falling for a dancer which he he knew he was like i have this in the bag i'm a former dancer uh i was able to find clips of this online it's a mini series i did not watch the whole thing because i was like three hours i'm not made of i'm not made of time uh but he he does then make his feature film debut in english actor tim ross directorial debut the war zone which is a drama about an incident of child abuse starring ray winstone and tilda swinton he, I don't think he has a line in this movie. He plays the the daughter of that family boyfriend. I think he, maybe he says like "Hello, my name is" or something. Yeah, yeah. he has like a lit, at least like one little scene where yeah. they're kind of like courting, but yeah, definitely not a big part by which, any means. Which you know, beautiful young like just nineteen year old. What else? Do you need? What else <laughs> yeah. Do you need? Um, 
It's that, pre-9-11. We were all very innocent back then. <laughs> that movie, by the way, is um, real, real dark. <laughs> real dark. Gird real yourself. If you're, I, I, I liked it a lot. I did. But I, I was like, man, I am going to have nightmares. Wow. Okay. Great. Great way to start. Filmography. Yeah. <laughs> um, he then uh, starts auditioning, going out for roles, and actually gets cast in a stage role uh, for a new play called In a Little World of Our Own. That is so popular that it ends up going to London. And while he's in London, and I'm going to pause right here and just give you all a warning. There is never at any point in your life, do you have to thank Kevin Spacey for anything? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Kevin Spacey is in the audience and he sees hot young Colin Farrell. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. Yeah, this this This, feels icky. And he's like, you should be in a movie. I'm making a movie in Ireland. And so he gets him a role in this film called Decent Ordinary Criminal that he's doing. And yeah, he he basically play or ordinary decent criminal. Sorry, I don't want to get this name wrong of this horrible People movie. People were looking that up. People were looking it up trying yeah. to find it. <laughs> Sorry, ordinary decent criminal. You you won't find decent ordinary oh, criminal. Spacey on heads out there. <laughs> um, and yeah, he he basically plays like an underling of this crime lord. Um, I did watch this movie. It's really bad. Uh, Kevin Spacey's Irish accent is about as terrible um, as. I don't know. He is. He is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ireland's a great place to live. Do you know that? Are we near Randwood yet? Ah, about half a mile. As soon as we get off this road, we're as good as there. Fantastic. We might stop for a pint, will we? Kevin Spacey helps him get his uh, a first bigger role. And then, not to like end the Spacey talk, sorry for talking about Kevin Spacey so much, <laughs> but this is all real. So he had just done... One of the John Grisham adaptations with Joel Schumacher, it escapes me at the moment. Not the client, the other one. Uh, a Time to Kill. A Time to Kill. Space season, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was like, hey, there's this hot young Irish guy. I know you're looking for a lead in your new movie, Tigerland. And so he like points him, Joel Schumacher in the direction of Colin Farrell, and he gets the role. He lands this lead, which is, you know, basically sort of unheard of. This is his really his third film and it's this huge movie with a well-known film director and he is playing the lead uh that's kind of nuts that doesn't happen and this is like the beginning i feel like colin at the beginning was really they put they said oh she looks great in war this is (laughs) this is a soldier this is a soldier mama (laughs) so like colin literally has been in so many wars acted as tigerland (laughs) is vietnam war right yes and we'll see in in this early stage i'm like he plays a lot of cops a lot of soldiers cops of all stripes um and it started at the very beginning babe (laughs) they said give this man a gun Uh (laughs) the movie is fine um but he you totally understand why it's like a breakout role for him because he just pops like it's definitely trying to give him the like paul newman kind of Mm. you know breakout role and i mean he he absolutely nails it it's a performance that i really love it's a really great cast it's a super stacked cast which i think speaks to schumacher um being able to do it and it's like a schumacher coming off of the batman and everything so it's like him going for his like uh, like return to form indie yeah um and yeah it's 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 a fine movie but definitely worth watching for his performance did you like it i did i i uh not uh, i'm more middle of the road like you are i, I don't think it's yeah. an amazing film and i do think it oftentimes feels a little full metal jacket light sure but 
I do think, you know, it's it's both a really interesting looking film, too, because he shot it on Super 16 and blew it up. And yeah, I think I think Farrell's performance really is something impressive for being, you know, like like I said, you know, he he has like three lines in his first movie, maybe five, six lines in the Kevin Spacey movie like this. He's in almost every scene. You know, he truly is the star. And I think that's a lot of weight to put on somebody who hasn't done something like that before, especially somebody who truly has no film training, right. who was trained for the theater um, and also, oddly enough, has never been back on stage since mm. uh, since the play space he saw him in. Jim Paxton. Yeah, let's not become friends, Jim. You could be dead tomorrow and I'd miss you too much. Excuse me? It's a joke. I like that you compared him to Paul Newman. I hadn't thought about that, but that's it's truly what that that is, sort of the smile. Because he doesn't give it the hard... The that's one thing the that mold. people, yeah, the, he he looks yeah. hard. He looks like you know he's right, but, could but then it's all up. like soft, gooey <laughs> right. center, right? But then it's he just like furrows his eyebrow, and you're like, oh my god, maybe I do want you to hit me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you think to yourself, I can change him, right? So yeah, I yeah. get it. He's and the, we could, yeah, and we could. Okay, <laughs> he's the rare Pokemon straight man where it's like, yeah, it's fine. Say, call, call me slur, please. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> we're gonna get letters. Um, please don't refer to this part of the episode in your review when you leave your five-star review. <laughs> um, I didn't watch Tigerland, but I did see his next film, which yes. was a bummer. <laughs> That's a choice. That's a real choice. So his next film in 2001 is American Outlaws. American Outlaws is the story of Jesse James, the James Younger gang. It comes like really hot on the heels of Young Guns, which tells the exact same story. And what's really funny is I've ne- I have not heard him name this movie but I have heard him talk about this movie as the movie he did directly after Tigerland that he shouldn't have done, <laughs> that he wasn't ready for. I mean, the second film I did, which got, I think was, is a close call, I think, between two, but I think it's the worst reviewed film I've done. And, and that was the second one, so I got, it was a quick kick in wow. the arse, I got, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was advised not to do that film by various people at the time, and I remember going, I was offered $350,000 to do that film and I, I, I was like, I, I can't, I can't say no to that. It's not like I didn't want, I didn't want anything. I didn't want a fast car. I didn't want a new wardrobe. I didn't really care. I'm, I'm not. But I was like, I, I just can't. I didn't feel good about, enough about myself to say no to it. Yeah. Was the bottom line. I didn't feel confident enough in my own abilities to say that's amazing, and I'm in a very fortunate place, obviously, if I'm getting such an offer. Um, but 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 no, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, this movie is a joke. American Outlaws, which asks the question, why is Ali Larder an actress? Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for, for just getting right to the Ali Larder in this movie. God bless. Yeah. Um, I, I believe you mean famous accused racist yes. Ali Larder. Yes. Yeah. Is that true? Yes. Oh, yeah. The, the, one Heroes. Of the, yeah. One of her co-stars on Heroes, the, the guy that played her boyfriend was basically oh, wow. like, she was the reason I was written off the show. Right, right, Jesus because Christ. her boyfriend was a black man, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. Because then you watch American Outlaws, and she is god awful. Awful, the awful. line reading. I think there needs. Outlaws. I think there really fully needs to be an investigation as to why there are <laughs> so many Europeans <laughs> pretending to be Americans in the old west. I will say though, <laughs> I, you know, as we go through his filmography, I was like, okay, also Colin Farrell. We don't talk enough about his accent work is very good. 
I w- I, very good yeah, yeah. there's been... one movie recently that it's very bad in which we'll get to but like surprising that it's bad in that one because in the early ones really surprisingly good i was actually going to bring that up because i was thinking about our ewan mcgregor episode because i famously was like ewan please stop <laughs> not an american it doesn't work <laughs> because ewan mcgregor does i'm not challenging him on his craft but his american accent is the most generic American, I am an American. <laughs> you are a robot. And Colin, like, and I don't know what it is specifically, and I've heard him talk about, like, trying to make it specific and trying to really work with it to, to get the right tone specifically to where it's from. But I think one of the things that he does that's really smart is he keeps a little bit of his Irish lilt in the American. And I think because of that, it makes it more specific. It makes, regardless of, like, questioning where it's from mentally you're like oh this like this is an accent you know this person sounds like right yeah also the way he talks is very like melodic he's got like personality in his delivery so it's not just like i'm trying to mask my voice for me it's quite simply dialects are quite simply something that is another avenue into the character or something that is a wall between you and the character it's one or the other there's there's very little there's very little middle ground um, but it really warrants and deserves as much attention as, as you can ever pay it. And then it can be fun as well. The more specific and the more geographically placed something can be, the greater idea you'll have of a even socioeconomic foundation for such a thing. And, and But yeah, dialects are interesting. I also saw 2002's Hearts War. Um, yes. Which, again, <laughs> war movie. Like, oh my God, how many times are well, we going to see this man? It's, it's, not, it's it, it, No, it is a war movie, though. <laughs> You're right. But it's a, also a courtroom procedural and also courtroom a murder drama. mystery and yes. then also makes you wonder why bruce willis can't move his face in emote mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. yeah hearts war not my cup of tea i saw it for the first time for this episode i was not a fan so much but i did think colin was pretty decent in it yeah he's he's fine in it. it's not it's it's like that run of procedural war movies like rules of engagement came out like, yeah. around the same time and like it's not too long after like courage under fire where it's like why are we doing these like courtroom dramas about war are people really interested in this it, and like the answer is no no well, it's it is in two okay so everyone wanted the drama in the military okay like it is 100 percent a few good men's fault i can answer that question yeah for that's you. actually that's exactly a it, few yeah. good men was a hit and then everybody was like what's a military tribunal like oh my god yeah uh, it's like boring just just like real court. <laughs> and, <laughs> in 2000 to 2003, he does a bunch of films. And this is sort of, it's funny. Big I year. saw, Big year. yeah, I saw our previous guest, Dan Mecca, uh, mentioned that you, <laughs> you would need to go to bat for his studio output. Um, in <laughs> 2002 to 2003, he does phone booth, the recruit and SWAT. Where would you guys like to start? Well, honey, I'm oh. at a pay phone trying to call home. Okay, I think Phone Booth is the stupidest movie I've ever seen, but it's so, so fun. I don't oh, care. I don't think it's fun. I think it's an incredibly <laughs> stupid movie. I do not understand what people like about it. I think, I just love the idea. I mean, we were so innocent and pure, but like, do you know that people used to, what was it? <laughs> if you were talking to yourself back in the day, you were crazy. Now, everyone does it when they're on their phone. I was like, <laughs> Oh, is that from the omniscient narrator who only narrates the very beginning of the movie? Yeah. What is, yeah. D- does Joel Schumacher think he's Dario Argento? Does he think he can get away with that crap? I just, I don't, what, I, that movie thoroughly entertains me, even though it makes no sense. They're like, yeah, I killed that pedophile. And you, because you maybe would have cheated on your wife, you might die too now. 
So think about sure. that. It's ridiculous, but I don't deserved know. really. Yeah. Well, for those who don't, <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, Phone Booth is a film about um, self-absorbed publicist, publicist of all things, mm-hmm. who, who <laughs> makes the mistake of answering the phone in a phone booth, and on the other end is a psychotic Kiefer Sutherland who has a sniper scope pointed at him, and he's like, "I'm going to kill you," and he has to do a bunch of stuff that I say. Forrest Whitaker shows up as a, a policeman. It causes a big rigmarole in Times Square. I will say I really hate the look of the movie, but I will. Th- the one impressive feat I will give to it is that it was shot in 10 days. The movie is completely ridiculous. The plot is bonkers bananas. But Colin, there is the moment where the, basically the, the, the murderer guy is like, no, you need to go embarrass yourself and humble yourself in front of everyone and I won't kill you. And Colin literally is on that phone and fucking gives his master class. He is out there crying in the street <laughs> saying, I am nobody. I am a piece of shit. And like his monologue is breath. I was cry- I was like, oh, excuse me, not a phone the, the last, <laughs> The last 20 minutes where Colin Farrell is like really giving. He's giving. Is good. Is, and he's good. And I have a hard time. I think I even referenced that in my letterbox review. I was like, the last 20 minutes contains the best acting. But this could have been a short film, baby. I, well, yeah, I was like, oh, a a lot of this movie is like, don't hang up. What do you want? Don't hang up. What do you want? Don't hang up. And I was like, it's, there's no plot here. I think it's funny to think about the fact that, like, you know, at, at one point it was um, it was Will Smith and mm. Michael Bay. And then Michael Bay pissed off the producers because he called a meeting and was like, at what minute do we get him out of the phone booth? Oh, and they're like, no, no, no. The whole thing is in the, the phone whole booth. thing. He said 91. Yes. <laughs> and so it moved to Joel Schumacher, and Joel Schumacher wanted Jim Carrey. And I, and I really think they, like, I think if you know that fact, which is maybe something that the general public doesn't know watching it, I think you can see that script is tailored for Jim Carrey. I think they didn't change it for, for Colin, Colin Farrell. And so he's like a little like. <laughs> It's like a goofier than it should be, you know. Colin said, "Bet you like mid- Midtown, two thousand two. I'm there. I got it." Kelly, I called some woman. Every day. Every day, I, I was attracted to this other woman, and I called her, and I wanted to fuck her, and I wanted to sleep with her. No, I wanted to fuck. Say it. Say it! And I wanted to fuck her. Dan and I are very much on... Dan and I have uh, bonded over our fondness of Feral in this era. Um, Phone Booth, The Recruit, SWAT. As far as I'm concerned, all good movies. Um, <laughs> Let's not forget Daredevil and his turn as Bullseye. Da- oh, yes. Daredevil, we'll, we'll, we'll also get to a good that. movie, which he is great in. But Phone Booth, I like Phone Booth. I do agree that it is... Um, it's a bonkers movie. It's not... Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, but I think that it knows that. I think Schumacher definitely knows that. I think that it's also fun because it's the first instance we see a feral playing like a sleaze bag which right. he goes on to do you know a bunch of times and i think that he's really good at that and yeah it's a nice little switch from like the tiger land thing the american outlaws thing of him being this like very clean cut american hero like phone booth he's doing a very different thing and he really sells it well i think you definitely buy him as this just like 
repugnant dude who even if he doesn't deserve to get shot by a sniper you still definitely don't like this guy or even (laughs) you're like not even rooting for him right which is a really interesting take for that movie to have rather than it being like a Cary Grant and a Hitchcock kind of thing or something where it's just like very black and white they still want him to be a likable leading man because like he does not cheat on his wife right he like (laughs) this is a guy who is like trying to cheat on his wife but never (laughs) does they were like okay listen we want him to fuck, but oh, he can't really fuck, you know, like, so just like the possibility. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's, I think that's a phone booth well enough covered. I will yes. say, I, I think I watched SWAT like a million years ago. I do not remember it well. So but to me in my head, it's just like police nonsense. Yeah, uh, I, I don't like SWAT at all. I will say um, I think it's it's just a lot. It, it doesn't do much for me. And it's a lot like I was like. So the police can just destroy anything. They can just destroy anything. <laughs> yes. And the only the only anecdote I really have from that movie is that um, Colin Farrell begged to do his own stunts, and uh, one of the things was the the dropping from a helicopter. And they were like, "No, you can't do that. You're the lead. Whatever, you can't do that." The stuntman did it, and on the first take, broke both of his ankles. <gasps> so, <laughs> they said, so the, well, we got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think out of the three that I brought up, because there there are other you know movies that we're gonna get to real quick, but I think of the three, I like the recruit. I think you know it's it's Al Pacino, not even at his like fighting level just doing an al pacino performance and still like taking everyone to school um i mean i mean literally at one point he spills coffee on him and he's like ah my dick's on fire and i was just like (laughs) classic pacino (laughs) um yeah yeah. i definitely the recruit of the three is also my favorite like swat swat is 100 percent propaganda like i gavin i think your letterbox review pointed out well it's like the that run of like we're rooting for the good cops because like the it's like about police corruption and like the cops are bad but we're following you know the good ones the good ones who are trying to stop the corruption but like i i enjoy it i think that it's fun i think that he is very charismatic in it and he has a lot of presence to him which is something that like especially going back and watching a movie like swat which is very just like straight down the line american blockbuster i think that you can appreciate that Colin Farrell brings like an energy that is very different and very unique to like when you compare it to the like white men who are leading those kind of movies now where they are completely indistinguishable to me, like have absolutely no personality. Right. Um, but the recruit I think is really fun Yeah. and it definitely is like a conspiracy thriller. I like all of the like weird CIA training stuff that they go yeah. through for like the first half of the movie is really interesting. And then it's like one of those movies where it's just like, twist after twist after twist like you don't know who you can trust oh you can trust this person now you can't trust that person but you can trust can you trust yourself we don't know we don't know are you in on it we don't know but also during this time period you get um maybe his first big high profile role which he gets cast in minority report directed by steven spielberg it's a true supporting role but it is steven's fucking spielberg and Mm -hmm. once again this is what one two three four this is his fifth film in he was who, hot, babe. He was hot. Who yeah. gets that? Who gets that? I like it. I'm I'm not the world's biggest Minority Report fan. I know, shocking. That's doesn't not gonna surprise anybody. But I do like it, and I think he's good in it. Yeah, I I really like Minority Report, but I also um for this podcast talking about Colin Farrell specifically in Minority Report, I think is like a genius casting move. I because he is the hot young thing, and it, like a hundred percent feels like 
that character is coming in designed to take yes. down Tom Cruise yes. and Colin Farrell is coming on the scene and is like supposed to take over basically the mantle of what Tom Cruise is and I think like meta wise it's such a smart piece of casting and just the arc of him coming in as this like antagonist and we're supposed to like hate him for the entire movie until we finally like start to understand that like oh no this guy's actually right mm -hmm. and then the second that it's like he gets a hero moment of figuring it all out ready to save the day he gets taken out like i just love that arc of that character is so interesting what are you gonna do possession alone cost you six months not to mention your badge i guess we won't be working together after all i put the gun down john i don't hear a red ball I do imagine that the first time Spielberg introduced Tom Cruise to Colin Farrell, he was like, that's right. He's like you. He can act. <laughs> right, right. They were like, should we kiss or <laughs> i think spielberg did the same thing with uh, shia labeouf too he said this is tom this is the next you <laughs> this is the next you it's all gonna go well um and, and then you did aforementioned daredevil uh daredevil is you know once again like seventh movie like first foray into the comic book realm comic book movies were new ish but you know they were a different animal in the yes yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, I'm still at someday going to pitch you on a, a pre MCU Marvel Ooh. episode. Louis. Listen, we talked but, about this movie with our Jennifer Garner episode. Um, yes. A little bit. Um, I am a famous defender of Daredevil. I think this movie is like way more fun than like Mar most Marvel movies are now. Like, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's over the top. But like, that's that's how movies used to be. That's how these used to be. Like, it's a comic book movie. Like, when he throws the thing and the big DD comes out, I was like, oh, my God. Um, also, like, <laughs> they said, no, bullseye. We're going to put the bullseye on his forehead. Put the bullseye right, right on. Make it very clear. He's going to be, like, licking his lips and this throwing I shit. <laughs> I do like that during the early 2000s, there was that fear of putting characters into costumes and there was that like superheroes don't need to wear costumes villains don't need to wear costumes but then they give him like a shark skin jacket and yep. the bullseye carved into his head and it's like you gave him a costume yeah. I want a fucking costume it's a scene Chewy uh, I love him his interactions with Michael Clark Duncan his interactions with Jennifer Garner uh, but yeah, Daredevil is, you're right, it's a very singular beast. I used to give it shit because I used to be like, wow, it seems like Mark Stephen Johnson doesn't have any style. But then the guys that directed the <laughs> Avengers were like, hold my beer. Yes. So. <laughs> he's, he's a busy guy in this time period. I genuinely think it's the Spielberg connection. But he starts making blockbusters. And he's still doing like slightly smaller movies but he really becomes you know a blockbuster queen essentially because you have alexander the new world miami vice all of these things are auteur directors like really working at, in like very singular mode and at the same time he's doing these smaller bits in between you have intermission a home at the end of the world ask the dusk which we talked about in our summer hayek episode and maybe the less said the better <laughs> But yeah, it's such an interesting run. And I think you know, I was talking to my boyfriend, Dan, and I was like, I think it's so interesting to look at his career now because he's doing so many more independent things, mm -hmm. but still working with interesting directors. And I wonder why he's not doing blockbusters anymore. And Dan was like, it's not that he's not doing blockbusters anymore. It's that studios have stopped trusting these blockbuster directors with these budgets right because yeah. they want the sort of marvel type people that they can control and and like also, have the authority I mean, when you, over when you think about alexander the new world and miami vice did any of those make money 
Like I, right. I, I, Alexander, notorious flop. Like you know, even like the New World was very critically acclaimed, but obviously Alexander and Miami Vice, like Miami Vice, has gotten a massive reappraisal at this point. But Miami Vice and Alexander are huge critical flops as well. So like that was the, it felt like that run of we're trying Colin Farrell out for the big blockbusters. This is your moment to shine, and then it just like all came apart. And obviously, I'm sure you'll talk about too, like his personal life falling apart very much at the same time too. And so it all just kind of like crumbled around him both professionally and personally here and it's funny because he's talked about how alexander is both one of the high points of his career and the low points of his career See, one of the highlights was was uh shooting alexander and one of the low lights was how it turned out because it doesn't like people that go ah you know get over it or whatever you know and all that kind of stuff which i guess from the outside looking in because you know i still got paid so handsomely, I didn't finish school. The, the 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 blessings that I still had, the real kind of tangible blessings and the fortune were there. But you're a human being, and you work for six months, and you don't want to bore anyone. You don't want to bore an audience member. And for me, I certainly have respect that people give up two hours of their time to go to the cinema. Mm. The last thing you want to do is that have them coming out saying, "Jesus Christ, we spent sixty pound on the babysitter and fucking forty pound on popcorn and tickets. That mm -hmm. was a waste of our life." Because when he was making it. He was able to get all of these other Irish actors employed. He was really able to to work with Oliver Stone in a way that he had not worked with a director before. And unfortunately, it backfires because, yeah, it's a disaster. <laughs> Nobody likes that movie. I've seen one of the five versions of it. I can't remember which one I've seen. I think the longest one because I was oh, a ma maniac <laughs> in college. Uh, but, yeah, it's Alexander is a real disaster. I mean, I do like listening to him talk about working with Angelina Jolie, especially since they also dated uh, because he was like, it's pretty weird having her play my mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so Alexander is one of the few Colin Farrell movies that I just hadn't seen period um, before we locked in doing this episode on it. So I was like, I like know that Alexander is a movie that I have to watch before we do the episode, just because of what it represents in his career. It's like definitely the biggest one that I haven't seen. And I avoided it for so long because one, I don't like Oliver Stone in general, really. Um, but then two, Solid, like it just, understandable. It just, <laughs> it just looks like a slog. Um, and yeah, I watched the theatrical cut, which is just because it's the only one that's available on iTunes. And I was not like buying a Blu-ray of the ultimate cut for this. Um, <laughs> but I know people Zack like Snyder's the movie. Alexander. <laughs> I know people who like the movie say the ultimate cut is the one to watch, but I'm not going to watch like another hour longer right. version of this movie. It's just, it's a real chore to get through. It doesn't feel like it knows what it wants to be. You want it to be campier than it is because of like how bad it is. And like, like literally everybody is fucking in this movie. Everybody is right. so horny in this movie. And it's like, <laughs> just go for it more. Why not? It's, yeah. it's, it's sort of funny too, because a lot of people claimed at the time that what really sunk it was the fact that they didn't shy away from the fact that Alexander was bisexual. And then that became like a new big news event where it was like, yeah. oh, Alexander the Great is bisexual. And it's like, what? Well, yeah, I, I know that they don't teach that in history books, but literally everybody was fucking back then. They didn't, they didn't have TV. Like, right, what? Right. <laughs> um, but also, so, I mean, it's funny. So I like watched half an hour of it and then I realized, oh my God, like, because there's a version on Amazon that's like, I don't know. It's, it's like Alexander something else. Alexander unrestricted. I don't fucking know. But I was like, there's so, you so much. the porn version. Alexander right, right. Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, there's so much left of this movie. I can literally watch an entire other movie. And so instead I watched uh, Home at the End of the World, which also um, bisexual um, yeah. 
uh, you Game know, ca- chaos. And like, I think that was what fueled the like people were like taking screenshots of him kissing boys, and like, yeah, it has led to more and more of the like aggressive paparazzi um, craziness, right? Yeah, and and because you did bring it up, Mitchell, you did bring up his personal life. I mean it'd be a good time to sort of stop down his movie career and, and talk about it. Um, in 2000, he had met Amelia Warner at the premiere of Quills and they dated from July to November of 2001. And there were some people who claimed that they were married, uh, <laughs> but there he's never, you know, said which way uh, he just said that the relationship was too fast and too young. Then in between 2001 and 2005, he is linked to Britney Spears, Nicole Narian, Elizabeth Taylor, Angelina Jolie, Maeve Quinlan and Demi Moore. So it's just like, Lady after lady after lady. Busy boy. Um, he meets American model Kim Bordenave, and they have a son together, James Pedrig. Then in 2005, he checks himself into rehab for addiction to recreational drugs and painkillers. Um, he goes on Letterman and he talks about how this really ended up helping him out and um, saved his life. You know, I've been on such a mad trip for six or seven years that I just had to step back and have a look at my life and, and having my son as well. Was, was the primary reason, you know, just want to be there for him, want to be clear, be around him, remember being with him, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know. In sort of an unfortunate turn, uh, he did find out that his son has Angelman syndrome, which is a very rare genetic disorder characterized by intellectual and development delay, including lack of speech and an excitable demeanor. And, you know, he said that his his son didn't learn to start uh walking until four and and really he has um a life ahead of him of just a lot of speech therapy and a lot of um but you know he he's like he's not suffering and and that's great he's like i've met people with diseases who you know who suffer their whole life and and this could be worse but also it's so under heard of because it's like one in thirty thousand people gets it so, uh, you know, I, I don't I've literally not heard him talk about his son since. I don't know uh, hmm. how his son has developed past the age of four. But, you know, hopefully all good things there. It's so interesting to hear you talk about like how he checked himself into rehab or this program to help out because he like he very easily could have been like so many other like hot young rock and roll guys who are actors and just like overdose you know yeah i mean like see heath ledger to me feels most comparable just because they both were like hot i mean yeah colin farrell took over heath ledger's role in uh, parnassus too right it's yeah. like they're both like hot hard looking but kind of soft men who were like really accessible um and yeah that shit like i mean celebrity is one hell of a fucking drug so i'm just like really yeah. happy he was able to you know get that under control and we still have him today yeah, and it's cool too that like in interviews today he's just like very open about like the whole process, the fact that he like came out and was just like very much like willing to talk about it and talk about the hardships of it and like the kind of process of it. And it's it's interesting too like people bring up Miami Vice to him plenty because of how much people like love that movie now and everything and he will be like, "Yeah, I don't remember a second of shooting that movie. Like I was yeah. blacked out basically the entire time that I was shooting that movie." He he talks about how he has huge holes in his memory, huge blackout moments that he has no memory of partying or what he was doing. Uh, That's a, that's wild. I cannot imagine. I mean, there, I was young once. There are times where I've been blackout, but like I can count them on my hand. Like I can't imagine having massive bits of an entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Also 
just to get it out of the way before we pop back in uh, to his movie career, um, in January 2006, Farrell filed a lawsuit against his ex-girlfriend, American model Nicole Narain, and the Internet Commerce Group for the unauthorized public distribution of a 13-minute sex tape they made in 2003. He was offered $5 million for its rights. While IGC tried to release it, Narain said she would work with Farrell to ensure the tape remained private. Farrell said she tried to release it to damage his acting career and, quote, wow. make money out of it, which Narain denied. On April 16th, 2006, they reached a confidential settlement. Farrell's lawsuit against ICG continued with a trial date for July 21st, 2006, and was eventually settled amicably. Uh, he, I've only seen him talk about this once, and I think it was on uh jonathan jonathan ross yeah jonathan ross and they had a big laugh about it but you could kind of tell yeah it was some woman in the crowd just like quoted a line that he said in the tape like while they were like recording the show she like quoted a line so he like like repeated it back to her or whatever and like laughed but it's like who the fuck are you to like say a line that somebody said in a sex tape that got leaked that like they're obviously uncomfortable with no because the whole thing i've got offered a pile of money to to sign off on it and have it in uh, on hotel, Stalls. on command in hotels and stuff. Could you imagine if my mother came along and, God forbid, she'd tell me something like, "Oh, you remind me of your father at certain angles." <laughs> <laughs> and so I couldn't have, I couldn't have that. So I think it's an important reminder to our audience. Not that I mean, I think we have the best audience in the world. So hopefully, do, do not take this to heart. But like, you don't have ownership of the other people's bodies. You don't yeah. get to like. Th- that stuff is not for your enjoyment. What's Leaked wild? Sex tapes, it's so gross and What's like wild? so invasive. Yeah, I mean, like, this is like, you know, the, the beginning. I feel like it's a lot more common now, obviously. Like, and I think yeah. the cult, we've like, as humans, we've like learned how, like, <laughs> what, what etiquette there is for that stuff. Back then, it was just the wild fucking West of like, yeah. it was so new, right? I mean, like, obviously, there was the. Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee video, which really right. kicked shit off. But like when there was hot young actor guy and like a sex tape, tape digitally, like you didn't have to go buy this thing. Like right, um, yeah, right. it was uh, Brave New World, and um, yes, don't be a fucking creepster. But back, you came here for film, so back into his film <laughs> career. Um, I do just really quickly want to mention Intermission, which is a, d- a dark comedy that he did in Ireland, and it basically contains every working Irish actor at the time. <laughs> you, Killian Murphy, Calmini, and it's fun, but it it is his. He opens the movie, and he, he like hits a girl in the face. Crazy to, opening, scene. yeah. And I was just like, oh no. <laughs> um, so I was like, Colin, don't do that. Um, this is which, his hit girls in the face era, though, because it Bruges. truly is in Bruges, exactly. Uh, True. And it does seem to be the Irish films that want him to punch ladies. I don't know if either of you want to talk about the New World. The New World, unfortunately, is one of the few films of his that I have not seen. Um, and then Miami Vice, uh, we we mentioned it briefly. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. He has had reservations about Miami Vice as well because he has said um, for the the stuff that he remembers is he remembers having a really good relationship with Jamie Foxx and a really jokey relationship behind the scenes. And he wishes the movie had more of that in it. He says the movie's like very self serious, and I have to agree with him. And I'll be perfectly <laughs> honest. I I don't I don't think the movie's anywhere near as bad as as the the critics at the time thought it was but i also just don't think it's anywhere near as good as critics have made it out to be because i mean i think the filmmaking itself is really beautiful i think michael mann has done a really good job at at doing um the the sort of digital the close-ups the the like really immersive 
But I, I, Colin Farrell's like, I'm going to talk like this throughout the movie. And <laughs> very sweaty. He's very yeah, sweaty. I just, though, though him and Gong Lee, I mean, I can't think of two more beautiful people to, to have dance together. But yeah, um, thoughts yeah. on Miami Vice. I, Mitchell, you said that it's had this reprisal. I was like, really? Yeah, Oops. it has. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. I mean, I'd never seen this movie before. And I put it on and I was like, this is the most fucking boring movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um it's and it was But you weird. loved Black Hat. I don't understand. <laughs> no, get out of here, Gavin. I it seemed it, yeah, it's very serious. I will say that this is also one of the, the rare roles where I'm like, okay, the accent work is shaky quakey. Um and hearing that he was blacked out the entire time makes sense now. Um I just can't imagine taking a show like Miami Vice, which is colorful and fun and like kind of silly, and then they're like but let's make it this. And imagine Miami, the most fucking dour fucking yeah. place ever. Like, holy Michael shit. Mann was the executive producer Damn. of the TV His show, Louis. Show, His yeah. own show. He, he said, did that to can, it. Look, look what they've done to my boy. Yes, yes. What happened to my good boy? Yeah, I don't like this movie. I don't think he's good in it. I I, I even, and I'm not like, uh, uh, you know, super knowledgeable about like shooting and all that shit. But I was like, this movie also just like looks weird to me. Like there was moments where it looks like found footage shit when they're like it, at the crime scene I it's was like, in that era of yeah. like yeah filmmakers like him and Soderbergh like starting to kick off the like digital era so it's like definitely looks like low quality now yeah um, but it was them trying to like revolutionize like a new form I, I personally like I don't fully go towards the space of like you know pals like blake howard and katie walsh who like adore like think miami vice is like one of like the masterpieces of the last 20 years i i don't go that far but i do really like miami vice and the new world and i really like their places uh for him specifically because i think they get into this space for him where he's able to really utilize his ability to be really like still and quiet mm. and just like connect with his scene partners especially in the romances with Koryanka Kilcher in the new world and Gong Lee in Miami Vice I think that he really brings like a romantic side out of him in these two films that I really respond to and I think that he definitely taps into like later in his career too but that's those two films kind of are like intertwined for me um, from coming at the same era but yeah I, I really like both of them personally I love you talking about like the romance he brings up because he does have a lot of that in him I mean yeah in yeah. A Home at the End of the World I was just like oh my god yeah it is just oozing. He is sweet, tender boy. It's all love. <laughs> like, I wish. And when you compare it to Ali Warder and him in America, yes. <laughs> my God, literally, like, literally, I think Robin Wright in this movie is so yeah. good. Um, yeah. So yes, Home of the Underworld is yeah. Home of the Underworld. We didn't really talk about it much, but that's a great movie. People should definitely check it, that it out. It truly is. Claire loves you. I love Claire. Doesn't this all seem sort of strange? No, man. It's perfect. Just like this. Bobby, I'm starting to feel a little extra. You're essential, man. <laughs> mm -mm. Hey, let's dance. Can't dance to opera. Dance to anything, and he like sort of sought it out because he loved the yeah. hours. So like it was something that he truly wanted to do. Thank God uh, they cut that hair though, because that wig parade. Oof. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think the next logical stop is, um, sorry, Woody Allen's Cassandra's Dream, which, by the way, he said Woody Allen didn't even know who he was. Like, three days before filming, he, like, had a costume test brought in front of him, and he was like, why is Ewan wearing this suit? And he was like, um, he's like, yeah, no, I'm Colin. That's Colin. That's me. Um, And so anyways, um, but I think the next logical stop is in Bruges, 2008. Um, it opens in the Sundance Film Festival. It, you know, it's Martin McDonough's first full-length feature film. Martin McDonough, famed playwright, uh, has had k- kind of a back-and-forth career since then. But I think In Bruges is a masterpiece. I love In Bruges. When it finished and it said, like, written and directed by Martin McDonough, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I When I read the fact about the fact that he has not been on stage since, you know, he was a, an early 20-something... I was like, what the fuck? Like, Martin McDonough's never been able to pull him into one of his shows. Yeah, I saw, he should I saw, be. I saw The Hangman on Broadway, and it was fine. But if it had been Colin Farrell, it would have been amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Yeah, In Bruges was one of those movies I hadn't seen, but I had always heard it was amazing. And then I watched it last night, and I was like, okay, this shit slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I really like In Bruges, too. Um, it was like a discovery weirdly for me because i saw it when it like it got a wide release in theaters Mm -hmm. so it came to like i was living in dover delaware at the time and it came to the theater in the mall there and i was like oh what's this like little movie that like i don't really know that much about let me go check that out and like saw it with my friend and came out like that was like one of the best movies that i've seen in like years it's just yeah it's so quirky and fun like it's it's i mean the mcdonough thing like it's very fun it's very like charged and energetic but colin farrell in it again like we talked i think off mic before we started recording about just his range and that like people maybe don't appreciate enough about his range or talk a lot about his range like him coming into in bruges and just doing this like dark comedy where he's playing like this like almost childish hitman yes. and yes. like but who also has like such like remorse and guilt and brings his heart into it when you start to understand why he's like acting the way he's acting and like what he's holding on to like there is just so much like depth going on to him and dimension that he's playing in this movie i couldn't have said it better myself i would like to put a little pin just a teeny tiny pin in the word childish and we're gonna come back to that <laughs> put a pin in bruges bruges <laughs> um in 2008 he does uh pride and glory the gavin o'connor film with edward norton it's another sort of copaganda movie where it's like the bad cops are bad but also the good cops are bad but they're allowed he, uh, to do it he uh, threatens uh, a baby with an iron he threatens <laughs> a baby with an iron <laughs> And that baby was like, no. Um, <laughs> Don't do that. But the baby said, I have American Sniper auditions in five minutes. I can't <laughs> yes. right Baby, baby, baby. He ends up getting a Golden Globe for in Bruges, speaking of still not nominated for uh, an Oscar. Um, and him, uh, Johnny Depp, and Jude Law also, once again, you mentioned before, they they complete Heath Ledger's role from the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, um, in which all three of them donate their earnings to Ledger's daughters, Matilda. He does triage uh, with Oscar-winning Bosnian screenwriter and director uh, Dennis Tenovic. Uh, I had to, like, seek out this movie. It is not a well-seen movie. I really liked it, um, It's but it's about PTSD, and it's hard to sell that movie. I think it's got some length problems and i think the script is not great and i also think pause ba- pause vega maybe gives a bad performance in it but but colin farrell and christopher lee doing doing some uh psychiatric work together pretty great what do you feel when you see all these bodies lying around everywhere 
sorrow, fear, relief, that you are not amongst them, that you have survived. Fuck you. Excuse me. I said fuck you. I'm not one of your fucking war criminals, right? So just back off. You said you wanted to talk to me. I never fucking asked you to come here. He does a small role in Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges, uh, which I've heard him talk about how like easy that role was because he's like, I didn't have to do any character work. The script did it all for me. Everybody's always talking about this character. I just had to show up and shoot for a week. Hmm. And I was like, good for him for being like, cool, no work. (laughs) Um, But he did get to sing in it and it is actually his voice. So he's not as bad as he thinks he is. So take that, boy (laughs) zone. Boy zone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On Dean in 2009, the Neil Jordan film. Uh, shot by Christopher Doyle, Wong Kar Wai's longtime collaborator in terms of cinematography. Um, I know not a lot of people like this movie. I really liked it. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's sweet. It's interesting. I wasn't expecting the like crime angle of yes. it to be as as hard, but like I like I like it. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I did see somebody comment on your letterbox review uh, mentioning uh, Petzold's uh, Undine, which came out last right, year, yeah. which I loved, and that I movie that. like yeah, is is like way above this one so i don't want to try and compare them but i do like that they went opposite routes where where petzl was like oh it's not a fairy tale but is it and this movie was like (laughs) it is a fairy tale but it's not (laughs) um and i i was like oh i appreciate the uh opposite tract of that he co-stars with Keira Knightley in London Boulevard, which we mentioned in our Keira Knightley episode. It's real bad. Um, first, you guys did a great job covering that on yeah. the Knightley episode. Not a good movie. 2011, I think he's starting to like... This shake is it where off. He, yeah, shake it off. He's like, he's letting go of the big awards grabs, letting go. And he's like, I think I'm just going to have fun. I think I'm just going to do the acting thing and just going to do a lot. And 2011 brings us Horrible Bosses. Um, he also has the Fright Night remake that year. I've seen Horrible Bosses. I do not like it. I think he's sort of brilliant in it. <laughs> he's great in it. Yeah. I think the the reason to watch that movie, even though the, the three main guys are Jason Bateman, Jason Sudeikis, and Charlie, Charlie Day. Charlie Day. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the real reason to watch that movie is Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. Yeah. And Jennifer Aniston also. Oh, yes. Yeah, very sexy in it. And who's, I, the, who's the other boss? I can't remember. Oh, we'll yeah. For, we'll forget about it. We'll just move on. Some guy you never need to thank. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. yeah, he's, he's a ton of, I mean, just talk about sleazebag. Like he's yeah. just playing it up. He's got the, the comb over. Right. He's clearly having so much fun playing against type and like yeah. wearing the hair, the makeup, like it, 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 you, it definitely feels like him being like, oh, I can really play. Right. Um, yeah. The Fright Night remake is something that I, I didn't want to love because I really love the original, but I do think the Fright Night remake is a lot of fun. And I think Very fun. he is so sexy. <laughs> so <laughs> so a vampire. sexy. Jesus. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I would, I would let him do whatever he yeah. wanted to do. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's like, why are you in this home in this call? This, I don't know. Just bite me. Whatever. I don't care. I, yeah. I, I just, I've stopped caring. Please just take me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a fun remake. Um, really fun movie, yeah. Um Total Recall 2012, uh, speaking of unnecessary remakes. There you go. Um it, I did see him uh there's a great actors on actors of him and Hugh Grant. Uh you can find it on YouTube. It's like 30 minutes long. And towards the end of it Hugh Grant is asking him about like, you know, would you at this point in your career? I don't think this was the, that much further because it was around the time the Lobster came out. 
He's like, at this point in your career, would you still do like a script that's a seven, but you knew was going to make a hundred million dollars versus a script that's a 10, but is only going to get seen at like, you know, a Lithuanian film festival. <laughs> and and he was like, you could drop it to five. I have kids. He's like, hey, I know. And, and he's like, you know, when I'm doing a movie, like sometimes I'll do a film and guess what? Total Recall doesn't require that I do a lot of acting. I just show up and I do it. I have a really healthy appreciation for the nature of commerce of the film business and my my personal proclivity and, and thereby intonation is to be drawn genuinely to smaller, more intimate stuff. Mm. Things I've done like, like Ondine or In Bruges mm. or The Lobster, stuff that usually has a budget between five and 10 million, yeah. but the characters, because they don't have to find such a big audience, the characters have a greater sense of, of, of uh, specificity to them and maybe a greater internal struggle that can find avenues of, of emotional or intellectual exploration that the 100 million, 150 million dollar films maybe don't afford mm. just in how they're crafted. And you can go, well, you should still bring the same level of attention. You do, but Total Recall will not allow you to do the same level, or maybe I'm just not good enough, the same level of, of or at least attempt to find the same level of specificity and depth. It doesn't want it of you. It doesn't need it of you. The Seven Psychopaths in 2012, again from Martin McDonough, this is not as a success. Or <laughs> it breaks even at the box office, and some mm. reviewers really like it. No. Not, not <laughs> yeah. this one. It, it leans in, for me, it leans into like all of McDonough's worst tendencies. Like yeah. it feels totally like just the Tarantino ripoff thing. Yeah. And it's yeah. not. It's like gross. We talked yeah. about this movie in our Sam Rockwell episode a million yeah, years right. ago. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, it's it's fun to watch, the, but specifically because he's sort of playing the straight man to Sam Rockwell's like, I'm so bonkers. And, <laughs> right, you know, right. he's kind of got the Brendan Gleeson role if this were in Bruges. But yeah, but just watch Ambrosia instead. Yeah, absolutely. Just watch it's, it. it's yeah, there. just watch Ambrosia again. Um, 2013's Dead Man Down, which is the first movie I watched for this. Um, it certainly happened. I kind of <laughs> like it. I know you do. I knew I, I read your thing saying that you were going to defend it. That's fine. You have your moment if you it's, want. I mean, it. it's it, it's like I think the repeated pattern is me liking these like crime thr- <laughs> these very generic like nineties. Mitchell, crime reveal yourself. Thrillers. You're actually a cop. Tell us the yeah. truth. <laughs> I, I will say, I, I think um, this is no fault of Numi Repace, and I don't I really have an issue with her. I will say she's one of the few people I did not feel any chemistry between them. And I, don't know, I would agree with that, yeah. I don't know what it was, why there was that lack of connection there. I will say the third act, he drives a car through a house, and I was not expecting that. I was kind of like, okay. Choices. Yeah, car <laughs> through a house. Interesting. That's um, the dead man down. That is the dead man down. Um, 2014. Winter's Tale. Let's go. The Let's next go. two hours. <laughs> um, written and directed by Akiva Goldsman, his directorial debut. Akiva Goldsman famously wrote uh, Batman and Robin. Um, <laughs> Winter's Tale. What can't you say about Winter's Tale? <laughs> have you seen Winter's Tale, Louis? I feel so left out. I have not seen Winter's Tale. Oh, this oh, is a real it. treat. <laughs> okay, um, okay, okay. I vividly remember seeing that in theaters, going home, and making like a Facebook status that was like, I just saw a movie where a girl dies because Colin Farrell fucked her and it was too hot. If there's any way to go, that's the way I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Same, same. It's wow. truly amazing. Um, he does uh, the role of P.L. Travelers, uh, 
Alcoholic Father and Saving Mr. Banks, a movie that I saw in theaters and did not like, but my mom loves it. So bad movie. Yeah, he's good my, in it. He's good in it though. I think we've all seen Liv Ullman's adaptation of Austin Strangberg's Miss Julie. Miss um, yeah, Julie. Yeah, that is certainly a movie with two really good performances in it. Um, it's crazy, though. It's like, fucking is bad, but also I want it, but I will kill you. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you guess who the two are. Samantha Morton is very good. Samantha Morton's really good. Yeah. Samantha Morton and Colin Farrell's pretty good, too. And someone else is there. Thank you. <laughs> Chastain, I was like, she's perhaps a little bit out of her depth. Yeah, even though she doesn't I, have the range. <laughs> I love her dearly. I think she's excellent, but whenever she's like crying she's like on the floor rolling around i was like this needed a more delicate touch ma'am i i uh i i like her i don't i don't i maybe not in the love camp but i do like her and i've seen her in movies where i thought she's very good mitchell i'm aware that she is your mortal enemy (laughs) i i am famously um not a jessica chastain fan so miss julie felt very vindicating for me Mm, because i was like this is this is bad. This yeah, is I knew it. This is, I knew it. This is yeah. what I'm seeing this whole time that none of you other motherfuckers are seeing. <laughs> and you know what? If I only saw Miss Julia, I'd be like, Mitchell's damn right. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do I do? Stay here. Keep quiet. Nobody knows. I, I can't stay here. Everyone knows. They don't know. And they would never believe it. In 2015, he stars in The Lobster, which is Yorgos Lanthimos' English-language debut. Um, I mean, I don't know enough good things to say about The Lobster. I love The Lobster. I love his role. I love his little mustache. Mm-hmm. I love that every interview he did, he's like, oh, I got fat, when he has the tiniest he, little he's be- like bellies. like the hottest he's ever been in The Lobster. Yes, yes. Like, that, the he lobster, is so hot in The Lobster. This is the era where he's like, I'm going to play like weird dads now. <laughs> yeah. Um and we talk about the lobster in our Rachel Vice episode. Yeah. We live, laugh, loved it then. We live, <laughs> laugh, love it now. Um, I, I said, yes, pop off, you little freak. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Um, and, and like, from here, it, it's literally kind of become this, like, one for you, three for me sort of yeah. situation. You know, he's in the Harry Potter universe now with Fanta- Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him, where he plays, like one of 1,000 versions of Johnny Depp, I guess. He does The Beguiled in 2017, Killing of a Sacred Deer, once again with Yorgos Lanthimos, Roman J. Israel Esquire. I I have seen The Beguiled before. I love it. I think he's great in it. Killing of a Sacred Deer, I like not as much, but I do like it. She's um, no lobster. Yeah, she's no lobster. Uh, though he is, once again, it's another like very hot, like kind of a little bit of a tummy. And I will say when, uh, what's his face? Um, Barry Kagan, Keoghan, yeah, Barry Keoghan. When he's like, "Can I touch your hairy chest?" I was like, <laughs> the dream. You're, you're asking I, I, the right questions, buddy." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "He is me. I am him." <laughs> and, um, and then Roman J. Israel Esquire. I just watched for this. I remember when that came out, and I think the reviewers hated it, and I really dug it. Great movie. It's it's this movie about a. A civil rights lawyer whose boss dies and his former protege that's played by Colin Farrell uh, takes him into his firm and makes the mistake of making Denzel Washington, who's playing Roman J. Israel Esquire, making him like a, a front facing counsel 
uh, instead of writing briefs, which is what his former boss used to do. And it like breaks him and, and makes him do some things that he wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, I think what's interesting is in less delicate hands, Colin Farrell would clearly be the villain of the, of the movie. And I think it's very smart that he's not the villain of the movie. He is a person doing what he thinks is the best that he can do. And it's not always good, but it's very human. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. I it definitely had that stink from like Nightcrawler was yes. so huge and people were like, oh, how are you going to follow this up? And then like it is such a like unconventionally structured movie it's very yes. like amorphous it does not have like a really traditional three-act structure there's not like at all 10 different like subplots going on and they all end up like tying together in i think really effective ways it's it's just really powerful i think denzel washington's performance is absolutely sensational and i love that he got the oscar nomination i think he should have won the oscar for that it's absurd that gary oldman won the oscar for that yeah. year but like he the the character is like they don't I I think ever explicitly stated but it's very clear that he's like on the autistic spectrum yes. and i think that it is a very like nuanced and um like respectful portrayal of somebody on the spectrum it is not he's not going like over the top with like ticks and like all this other kind of stuff but i think that's kind of the most effective thing about it is he is this guy who's trying to do the right thing yeah. in a world that doing the right thing is not black and white at all it's very gray and he doesn't quite understand how to fit into that world so yeah then he kind of crosses that line into doing something that maybe isn't above board and sees like the rewards of that but then struggles with the morality of that it's it's a really fantastic movie that yeah i'm really glad that you loved it because it's it's one that i think people either didn't give the proper credit to or just skipped altogether because they yeah. heard kind of that and that they should seek out now. It's really fantastic. And yeah, I, as you said, I love, as it reminded me of the Minority Report of Colin Farrell where yeah, like that character absolutely. could so easily just be straight up a bad guy. But yeah, it's so much more complex than that. I sent you an email today to come to my office. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when people send emails, they think it goes straight to your brain. You better take what I'm saying seriously because I'm being very, very sincere with you. I think you knew what you were getting when you brought me in, George. Uh, I, I thought you were functional. I think you brought me in to put your feet to the fire because you're tired of treating low-income clients like dollar signs and because maybe you remember what it feels like to actually care. That's what I think, George. Well, no, I hired you to make a buck, which is why I thought you took the job. I need money. <laughs> Badly, of course, but what I really need, George, is an ally. 2018's Widows, which, he, you know, he has like a, a sort of Pretty minor... Good role but he's great and um tim burton's dumbo lol that is that by the way is the movie that i was talking about where his ac his accent and dumbo is god awful i have no <laughs> idea what he was doing he shows up like early on he's like the main character in it yeah um, other than dumbo of course he shows up with a missing arm and immediately starts speaking and there's just this butchered accent and i was like oh god i have i'm in for a ride here i he said, fine i'll take your money disney but i'm gonna be crazy <laughs> and then like you know his latest he's having a year for himself you know it, it, the first film to come out this year he was the penguin and matt reeves the batman uh, he just had a film come out to Amazon, which is 13 Lives, which is the docudrama about uh, the the divers that saved the 13 children from the Thai cave. Directed by Ron Howard. Directed yeah, directed by, by Ron Howard. Um, later this year, he has the Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, I'm sure I'm saying that completely wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, and, and that's another, you know, him reteaming with Martin McDonough 
and Brennan Gleason. So like very exciting to, yeah. to see that. Um, didn't even mention, you know, peppering throughout his career. Um, he has done TV. You know, he did a season of True Detective, the season that everybody supposedly hates. I only watched the first season, so I don't know. It's not um, good. <laughs> he did a, a five-part miniseries last year called The North Water. Um, and he's going to be doing the the TV series version of The Penguin, um, which supposedly is just being called The Penguin. Huh. Inventive names. Just disappointing. <laughs> um, uh, just to get a tiny bit back into his personal life. In 2009, he fathered a second son, Henry Tadeusz, uh, with Polish actress Alicia Bachleta Kuros, uh, who was the lead in Ondine. Um, and then the relationship ended a year later. Uh, that's basically it for his personal life. He is a supporter of the Special Olympics. Uh, he did the, he was the celebrity spokesperson in 2007 for the games in Shanghai. Uh, he lent his support to the anti-bullying campaign Stand Up organized by Irish LGBT youth. And in 2015, he became the official ambassador of the Homeless World Cup. But yeah, that's basically Colin Farrell's career in a nutshell. There's some crazy ups and downs in there. I think, you know, I brought up earlier... I think it's interesting to watch him change, to watch that range grow. I think, I know you both said really positive things about Daredevil, and I do think he's good in Daredevil, but I think it's the earliest he, he realized, like, you can push it too far. You can, you can, you can really chew the scenery. He, he and likes like, a costume. He likes a, a hairpiece. He likes, you he know. Said, I'm going to act. Yes. <laughs> um, Acting. Yeah. And I, and I think after that, he's sort of been able to, you know, even when he's invited to play something that's, a, that's a bit bigger, he, he drops it back a little, you know, I am thinking of like the Imaginarian of Dr. Parnassus, which admittedly, like he had somebody else's, um, performance to base it off of but i i think you know he realized like there there is or even then let's say horrible bosses like he knows like how to get in and get out without being like yeah. even even the batman too like yeah that he could have gone so much bigger for that but he like he's like yeah i'll let the prosthetics basically do the talking for this and basically plays it pretty straight and that's what that's why i really like his performance i'm still of the mind that like warner brothers could hire a fucking fat actor mm-hmm. but, but i do think colin farrell's very good at it and i do think the scenes he's in especially because you know they're that movie is so dour looking he livens them up especially like the hey yo what are you showing me here yeah 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 yeah. yeah. boy you guys are a hell of a duet here why'd you start harmonizing there's only one problem with your little scenario okay i ain't no rat you got any idea what comment falcone will do to me how you just kind of talk no you don't want to talk about rats huh Maybe we can talk about what they did to my partner's face. Holy God, what are you showing me? Come on! Open your eyes! Anyways, that's Colin Farrell. Why don't we move into our picks? We've talked enough about his his career. Uh, Why don't we move into our one-star reviews and get the bad out of the way first? All right, Mitchell, as our guest, you get to go first. What is your one-star review? Yeah, so my my one star, it's the thing that I know you guys get a lot is like, if you, do you go movie or do you go performance kind of thing? And so I, I wanted to go more performance because I feel like that just makes more sense if we're like reviewing Colin Farrell. So for me, my one star is Total Recall. Um, I think that he has worse movies for sure and even like worse performances, but Total Recall is the one where like I most felt like he just like doesn't even know like why he's there. <laughs> like he 
it's just like let me tell it, you i was in the theater going why am i here <laughs> so that's it feels it feels in a way like that as much as i like the like swat the recruit kind of era and like miami vice like total recall feels like that like last gasp of hollywood trying to make him do that kind of thing at, that like never really suited him and as much as i really i wanted total recall to be fun because it seemed like the kind of thing as you've heard some of my tastes that like i would enjoy at least but yeah <laughs> it just like saps all of the creativity out of that like world and he just feels totally drained of it and the, the movie's not good it was for as same as you gavin it was a little bit better when i rewatched it like a week ago for this than it was when it came then i remembered it being when it came out but like kate beckinsale has the smallest arms in the world and they want me to believe that she can fight colin farrell like come on, come on. jessica Be- jessica beale i can believe jessica beale looks like a badass but like yeah kate beckinsale well, come on tell me what is going on Talk, or we can skip straight to until death do us part. I'm not your wife. That's bullshit. We've been married seven years. I'm UFB police intel, assigned to play your wife. Six weeks ago, I didn't even know you. It's it's really bad. I understand the thought process of you know Colin Farrell is hands down a better actor than Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I was recently revisiting our Tim Burton episode because it's his birthday coming up soon. And when we were talking about Batman 89, we were talking about how Tim Burton was like, yeah, casting Michael Keaton makes sense because he looks like a normal person and Batman wouldn't be muscle on top of muscle or else it'd be easy to figure out who he is. And so I think his like wiriness makes sense to cast him as like an undercover agent instead of it being a guy who's just a, a walking, you know, like tricep. Um, <laughs> Schwarzenegger, you all like pretty much every movie that's not like Terminator. You basically have to allow yourself to get over that hill. Yes. Like it makes no sense for any person to look like this. Right, Correct. exactly. <laughs> this man has hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like, yeah, it's like there's things that I think could have worked for it. And they, they just weren't interested in playing into any of that. Um, yeah yeah good good pick mitchell so i i do oftentimes do this based on performance um and so i did pick a film that i do think he's genuinely bad in but also i think is a terrible movie and that's (laughs) 2015's solace solace is a film that was written as a sequel to the movie seven uh with the log line that morgan freeman's character has suddenly developed psychic powers and therefore can hunt down criminals using Mm. his psychic powers um David Fincher was like, hashtag, this is stupid. And they were like, you're right. And so they saved the script, (laughs) rewrote it, and decided to do it years later. Um, It's a film in which Jeffrey Dean Morgan plays an FBI agent um, who is getting his friend, played by Anthony Hopkins, out of retirement. Uh, But Anthony Hopkins has retired because his wife has left him after his daughter has died of cancer. And Anthony Hopkins is a psychic. And there's a person running around murdering people. Um, and I'm going to have to ruin the twist of the movie, but it's an hour and a half movie. Colin Farrell doesn't show up to the last half hour. Colin Farrell's the killer. And it turns out he's also a psychic. Oh, wow. he's, he's a more powerful psychic. The psychics are fighting. Yeah. And what he's doing is his powers let him see if someone's going to get a terminal illness mm. and then he's killing them. So they don't uh, suffer. Right. He's really altruistic. Except right. he's also fucking insane. And I don't understand why they were like, 
cool, cool, cool. So we're giving you this backstory of being like, oh, but also like be crazy, <laughs> like really play up that you're nuts. So the audience really hates you. Um, also, uh, just on the front of the film being offensive, uh, this movie came out in 2015. I know it was an older script. One of the first bodies they find is a woman in a tub. And Anthony Hopkins is like, don't touch the water. Don't touch. I don't know why. Just don't touch the water. You find out through his psychic visions that her boyfriend had left her because he's secretly gay, had been cheating on her, contracted <sighs> HIV, no. gave her <laughs> HIV, and Colin Farrell killed her because 2015. You die, you, you die from HIV, that's it? <laughs> you just do. You and also, it, you're fucking dead in a month. We all know that. Yeah, and you <laughs> also only works. get it from gay people. Mm, of course. And, um, and don't touch that fucking water. And don't, and don't, don't touch the water because it's dirty. Water. Full good, of AIDS. Good, good <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> what offensive shit is this? 2015? Yeah, like, that's wild. Like, I was like, that's wild. Oh my god, was this film written in 1986? No, it wasn't. So I was very, I was already primed to to be very mad at this film. But I think what makes it even worse is when you go up against something, somebody like Anthony Hopkins, you got to bring your A game. And this is Anthony Hopkins, not even like this is Anthony Hopkins sleepwalking. This is a role <laughs> he's played before. I mean, he's basically doing Hannibal Lecter. Right. It's it's easy for him. And there's the scene where they first meet and he's like, I'm going to describe to you everything that's going to happen, all the outcomes of you. <laughs> and I was just like, no, babe. Hello. <laughs> no, this is not acting 101. Colin. <laughs> Colin. Johnny's life I take. It's a life saved from enormous pain. I, mean, I see what lies ahead for them. The, you know, the suffering and the sickness. I see them writhing in agony. Hear them screaming, begging for release. They beg for it, John. And I grant them their wish. Only better. I get there before the wish is even made. I get there before the pain even starts. It's a bad movie, and nobody should have to see it. And I know that's not really anybody's, um, you know, it's not my purview to tell you whether to see something or whether or not. Because sometimes I pick one-star reviews, and I'm like, you should still watch. <laughs> yeah. This no, is a it's... waste of your time. Solace was the last movie that I watched uh, in preparation for this, and there's a reason it was the last. last. (laughs) You were like, like, I've lost the will to continue. (laughs) Oh, it's yeah, it's. I was expecting it from the plot of it. I was expecting it to be fun, like at least fun, bad. But it is just, it's brutal. It's so dour. It's shot like a fucking episode of Succession for some reason. There's so (laughs) many pushes in this movie. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. There's so there's no like dolly ins in this movie. It's all zooms. It's all just like, oh, here's a zoom into Anthony Hopkins. I was like, why? What are you doing? I kept thinking I like accidentally clicked zoom on my remote or something. (laughs) Like it's yeah, it's it's it was between this and Total Recall for which one I was gonna choose for this it was like really tight uh, it's not it's bad 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 i i'm toggling between two but i think if i'm gonna go with the worst performance in also a bad movie it has to be american outlaws um <laughs> it, it's it's so bizarre you know I, he's so early in his career but he's like doing his gunslinging western accent um but it it's almost like this movie is pretend like it's i don't it's it's like a fake movie. Like, you know, yeah. they're like, okay, bullets are hitting the ground. You're running around and rolling around. And like, he's like shooting and then throwing the guns. It's like almost a spoof of a Western. Yeah. Um, there's 
like we mentioned before, there is one woman in this movie and her name is Allie Larder. And she's like, dear Lord. <laughs> and it, it's crazy because like he, he, you know, the war is over. And so they're going home and he's like, oh my God, you've grown up and got real big. And she's like, yes, I have. It's, <laughs> it's so, it's so unsmart. It's so just like color by numbers. Like it's, everything like who made this movie it's it, it's it's almost like it looks like a movie that jack donaghy would have made on yeah Rock. yeah like, there, mm. there is i don't know what it is because it's certainly not unforgiven's fault because unforgiven looks like a movie but there's something about most westerns that are made in the 90s that makes them look like commercials and i i don't know what it is right and hey like it's you know i guess it's not just westerns because it also reminds me of the the disney three musketeers which is a movie i like but looks like a commercial doesn't right, look right. like a movie and i don't know I, I can't remember which film I blamed it on, but there, there's definitely something that occurred in the early '90s. There, they're just like, and westerns will look like everybody's doing our town. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's. I've never seen a movie where like the extras who are like in war are so bored. <laughs> they're so bored. I, I was like, is this like a reenactment? Like that you go see it like the bad like you know. Um, you and your school field trip yeah 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 and like people are like i hate being here it just feels like no one likes being there um scott con who like is always just playing like meathead guy which yeah. i guess like he he is kind of like sure very not, muscly yeah. whatever but like i it, he's like the kind of you're not gonna tell me what to do colin farrell and colin farrell's like well i'm gonna be a good guy now and have my wife <laughs> everything about this movie is just like he's it's the movie gives him nothing to do. So like, it's almost not his fault, I guess. Um, but, and maybe it is the fault of Scott and Allie Larder and like the movie, like it, there are a the lot rest of things. The rest of the CW cast. Yeah, correct. <laughs> correct. Um, literally. Oh my God. The, the Everwood guys in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gregory Smith. Shout yes. Out. <laughs> yes. A tiny little Gregory Smith. Um, so why don't yeah. we call it the younger james gang <laughs> oh my Sorry. god oh my fucking god they have a whole conversation about yeah, it. No, that scene I... goes on for like five minutes i yeah, was like a, i was like chop, chop guys this is yeah. a 90 minute film <laughs> right right uh so not all this money's ours uh well no jesse it was the banks see that's why we had to go to all the trouble of stealing it look we ought to take some of this money and give it to our neighbors in liberty there's a lot of people hurting up there. Hey, none of them risk their necks for this. No, 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 let's think about this. We create some goodwill with the folk here about make it easier to dodge the law. See, Frank's being smart about this. Well, no, Jesse, just because he reads all them books and he knows all them big words don't make him smart. Uh, yeah, it does. No, it don't, Bob. Stay out of this. Yeah, I, I guess I'll have to go with that. Even though, I will say, I... I have very like strong feelings about Miami Vice. From I was like, waiting for you. I was like, he's gonna do the Miami Vice. You know what? If you feel it, feel it because I don't really like his performance in Miami Speak Vice your either. Truth. I uh, his performance, I, like yeah, he, he's done like skis ball. This movie wants him to do both. It yeah. wants him to be yeah. like slime ball with like the hair and like you know. This is also another movie where it's like cops are bad, but the good cops are good cops, and like yeah, it's I. And, I, I don't even think, like, him and Gongli are obviously very attractive, but I don't even think, like, I'm like, why? You just met this person and you were also working for the cartel. Like, this makes no fucking sense. I, I will disagree on that front just because I do think they have a lot of heat together. But the scene where, and I, I'm sure, come at me, Phil Burroughs, Phil Burroughs, whatever, the scene where him and Jamie Foxx discuss it and he's like... 
you know, she can be a bank teller, but she's with them. I was just like, why yeah. are we doing this, guys? Right. <laughs> so why are you ever there? I'm with her 100%. She could be a white-collar money manager. She may even be true love, but she's with them. I truly would say... Was there anything else that either of you saw that you didn't particularly like? Alexander's crazy, so like, <laughs> like, fool on and not and not a good time. So like, yeah, yeah. it's not phone booth, which is crazy and a good time. Um, right. yeah. uh, um, one that, one that we didn't mention, um, which I he's good in, but um, the gentleman is a oh, disgusting yeah. fucking movie. Like that movie's Truly. racist as shit. I don't understand how that got like a decent critical reception of people being like guy Ritchie's back and i'm like this movie is absolutely repulsive but like he's he's actually kind of fun in it um he's like the one thing that i enjoyed in it but yeah that movie's gross as hell you know what was funny is i i just watched that today and i was like this is really racist and it's been kind of sexist but at least we haven't no one's been raped and then right before the end he just <laughs> has to he's like there. and sexual well, violence well, well, and it's well, just well. like jesus christ <laughs> guy Ritchie, what is your deal um yeah seven psychopaths really not my thing yeah um mm-hmm. as previously mentioned horrible bosses is bad but he's good in it um but yeah like i don't think it's actually that bad of a career even though there are there's missteps but i don't think there I, there wasn't a ton that i was like uh unwatchable even even the yeah. things that like are kind of like whatever i mean like i watched the way back and i was like yeah. okay well like i, I like, remember i like that movie quite yeah about. i was like oh i remember when like we were trying to make jim sturgis thing like that's i was gonna say that's the <laughs> and my... I were just talking about this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's my and one like, negative thing is jim sturgis everything else in that movie is fine yeah and, and and again i was like really he nailed that fucking russian accent yeah. i was like you yeah. could have fooled me oh, girl he, the accent thing uh 13 lives the ron howard movie he is doing a british accent in it and yeah. like when i heard that he was playing a british guy i was like oh irish actor doing a british accent that's gonna be ugly as hell he pulls it off really really well i gotta say yeah. i watched that with my parents it's the perfect parent movie oh absolutely yeah. and mm-hmm. We were crying. It was like, I recommended it, it to both of my parents. Like the second after movie. I saw it, it's pretty. I, it's pretty good. They have some crazy, crazy stories. Um, Colin Farrell admitted that because they did a lot of their own swimming, and he admitted that he suffered from some pretty crazy panic attacks that he didn't let Ron Howard know about during yeah. the time. And he said, said he he will probably reconsider doing any water stunts in the future. So yeah, and, and again, also a hat, hot dad role. I will say, yeah. Uh, the guy that the guy that he plays in that movie, they asked him who he wanted to play him, and he said Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> and, and they said we can do better. And Ron Howard was like, "We're not making that kind of movie." And then were, Ron Howard was like, "Oh, we cast Colin Farrell." And the guy that he's playing is like, "I'm not a movie buff. I don't know who that is." <laughs> Beautiful. Him and Woody Allen just hanging out. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's get into our five star reviews. All right, Mitchell, what do you got? Um, I, it's like an obvious one, but the lobster is, is my pick. I think even as like, being like a huge fan of Colin Farrell before that came out, I still like, wasn't sure what to expect of, I mean, like Yorgos's first English language movie. I was a big fan of Yorgos before that, but like so many non-English directors doing their first like English language movie can go, you know, South, but he really just My precious baby Wonkar, why? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I know. I trust yeah. me. I've I've experienced that pain. 
yeah and like but he immediately like he just yorgos was just like yeah i'm just gonna do my exact thing but just <laughs> in english and colin farrell is like the glue of that movie i think because everything around him is so outlandish but he just plays it completely straight he like really nails that like sandpaper dry humor but you also believe him as sort of like a lumbering fool to a degree but also a guy who rachel vice you believe would fall in love with him and like yeah. connect with him and it's like every step of that movie he's just taking you along with and it's like a world that you could totally not be into you could check out of it immediately but i feel like colin farrell grounds it in something that is very emotionally raw and real where you have this sympathy for him in both sections of the movie i think and yeah it's just it's such a tricky balance to pull off and he pulls it off masterfully i love that he i agree with you guys that like killing of a sacred deer is like a little bit of a step down but just because the lobster is so great and yeah. I like I would love for him and Yorgos to like keep doing things together. Yeah, I just think that his performance is tremendous. The movie itself is phenomenal. It's a boring pick, but an easy pick. No, no, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a boring pick at all because it's also my five star review. So uh, <laughs> I, I love the fact that we don't tell each other our five star reviews because stuff like this happens. It's such a tremendous movie. I saw some, I was perusing reviews online and I saw somebody that was like, I, maybe I just didn't understand it. And part of me is like, I don't know. This is one of Yorgos's most accessible films. Yeah. Maybe that's on you. If you didn't <laughs> understand it. Um, but for people who don't know what it's about, it is about a possible future. Maybe now who knows, but a alternate place where if you're not coupled, you get sent to a hotel where you have 45 days to find uh, another partner and if you're not, you get turned into an animal, an animal usually of your choice. That's it. That's that's the yeah. quickest way to um, you're right. I want to take that pin out that I put earlier in Childish. Um, I Dang think yeah. this is this character also has a childish quality to him. But I think that's because this reality has a childish quality to it. You know, this is a film that's about gender roles. This is a film that's about the focus that we put on coupling this is a film about fascism and i think it has all these interesting themes and because of the the way these characters have been placed in this reality they do have these sort of childlike quality or maybe i should say like it, it's not a fully developed just an immature quality i think you know when you said that Rachel Weiss falling for him instantly is believable i completely agree but i think one of the things that is easy to forget is it's not just that she like sees him and falls in love with him. She sees him and she lusts after him. She, the yeah. first thing she says when she sees him is she had a dream that night where she was wearing an outfit that she describes and then he takes it off and fucks her in the ass. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> God, yeah, God damn. Hell yeah. like, <laughs> and I, I think there's such a great play back and forth in this movie between the silliness because it is very silly and that like you said he plays it so straight uh i mean i can't think of nothing better to tell you exactly whose character is right away in the film when he's checking into the hotel and they're like are you a heterosexual or a homosexual and he's like women however I, I had one homosexual experience in the past in college is there a bisexual option available no, sir, this option is no longer available since about last summer due to several operational problems. Hmm. I'm afraid you have to decide right now if you want to be registered as a homosexual or a heterosexual.
I think I should be registered as a heterosexual. You can watch the gears work in a really positive way because you're not watching the gears work on how do I play this? You're watching the gears work on a fully fleshed out person who's stuck in this fucked up reality that may seem ridiculous, but has all these hallmarks of also our reality. And that like, you're able to look at these things and be like, wow, how ridiculous is this? And then you look at the stuff that's happening around you in the world and you're like, oh boy, (laughs) where there there's stuff there. Yeah, my favorite thing about this movie is that, like, this shows you... it's This is Joni Mitchell both sides now, okay? Like, yeah. the, the <laughs> yeah. first act of this movie is, you know, the the despair of being alone, you know, and, like, how tragic and awful it is. And to be a complete person, you need someone else. And then the second act of this movie where he, you know, he finds this person, it's all about the freedom you have when you're alone and, like, the beauty and, like, you know... And so there are good things and bad things with both of them and you know i I talk about this in the rachel vice episode i'm like this fucking movie made me think about some things okay this made me (laughs) reevaluate i was like where am i in my life that i get that i i I don't understand just being like i i don't get it and it's like well then then do the work because but you're right that's i mean it's 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 brilliant in the fact that it makes you think about stuff, but it's it's not hitting you over the head with it. And right, this movie and isn't it, telling you like you need like if you told someone like oh well if you don't find someone you're turned into a, a lobster or an animal or whatever. And so you would think going into this movie, this movie has a point of view that's saying like you know you're fucked if you don't find someone. Like that's right. the moral of the story. But like that's yeah. not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that like it, there are judgments on both of these things, and there's freedom in both of these things, and you shouldn't have to be you know put into either of those boxes you should be able to you know have freedom by yourself freedom with who you love and like all these things it's it's a very you know layered um i don't even want to say complicated it's not a complicated movie it's just it's a very um thought-provoking movie it's so ridiculous but it's exactly what the world is just yeah put like in front of you in a very direct way and yeah it's such a great movie because it came out when it came out, I was single, so like I ha- was viewing it as a single person watching it, and then a few years ago, I watched it with my partner, who I've now been with for five years, and like it makes you think of it in like a different kind of way too, and it's like, right, okay. <laughs> I just, I just want to say, thank God you found your partner because I don't want to know what animal you were going to be turned into. I don't. <laughs> like, it, it'd be so sad if Mitchell was a horse. Uh, Louis, what is your five star review? Lobster was definitely up there for me, and I was like, but I, I, I watched Ambrouge last last night. And I said, sure. she is on the brain and um, that it was my ch- other it was my backup. And then I was just like, you know what Mitchell's going for? I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I just think, uh, you know, he is so at home in this character and not because he's also an Irish he's playing an Irishman, but like it and is he kills people and he's a killer. <laughs> Sorry, um, Australian police. No, but he's, <laughs> he's able to, he's funny in this movie, he's emotional in this movie, he's romantic, it really is just a showcase of all of his uh, tools, and it, it, everything about this, um, I mean, so the story of In Bruges is, these two men are going to Bruges, which is in Belgium, and... Um, we don't know why they're there. It's revealed that they are hitmen and they're just waiting for a call from their employer. Um, then it's revealed that uh, Colin Farrell at a, was doing a job, his first job, um, to kill a priest who was a pedophile. Um, while he kills that priest, he accidentally kills a young boy um, and thus sets in motion of their employer sending them to Bruges. You find out um, he is his partner is there to kill him essentially. Um, 
and he fucking hates being in Bruges. Like, like an ongoing joke is he's like, I can't fucking believe we're here. Like, Jesus Christ, I hate this so much. And the thing is, too, that they took him to Bruges because it was supposed to be, like, a, a nice final vacation. Right. Like, show him the most beautiful place in the world before you right. have to kill him. Right, right. And and so there's a lot of humor. I think um, him in, uh, which Gleason is this? Brendan. Brendan. Yeah, so him and Brendan Gleason are so good together. They have that, like, kind of uncle nephew relationship kind of it's very you know they play off each other really well but he's got just like he's kind of manic but it's also controlled and it's like he's he loves doing this in this movie he loves like shoulders (laughs) up kind of head out um and he's just like uh, and also colin always looks good smoking always looks good smoking (laughs) a cigarette yeah this movie again is just you know really I don't know about forgiveness, second chances, making mistakes. And like, what's hard. I mean, this is like, he's killed essentially their employers. Like you can't kill a kid. You really you just, yeah. and, and if we, if, if we don't, you know, kill him, like, what are we saying about ourselves? We are professionals. Like we cannot be killing kids. And the guy's like, I can't do it. You know, he, 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 he deserves a second chance. And it's really like, you know, it's not, an, there's, there's no easy answers in this movie at all either like you know the ending is kind of uh up in the air and um this idea of you know what is hell purgatory like and and he's talking about his bruges hell living maybe living as hell living with this um this guilt i mean he's so guilt-ridden there's that really emotional scene where like he just breaks down um you know because it's it's with him and he doesn't know if he's cut out to be a, a hitman um yeah, uh, uh, Ray Fine plays their um, yeah. their boss. Always good. One of my, one of my favorite Ray Fine performance, and yeah. I know we're not here to talk about him, but so, you're an inanimate fucking object is just like carve it into my urn. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So rightfully so, I you know he got nominated for a Golden Globe and won, uh, and that's like I think the only award he's ever been um, given before. Only uh, major award, the, right? Right, the, major yeah. award. But it, it, yeah, the movie like. It's beautiful also. I think it's for a movie that is like a little bit like slow on the uptake. It's just beautiful. Um, A light at first movie that turns in all sorts of different directions. Um, I love him. I love all the like making fun of they're like, oh, fucking Americans. And then the Canadians, like there's a lot of (laughs) a lot of fun stuff in there. Give me a gun back. Back. You're a suicide case. And you're trying to shoot me in the fucking head. You're not getting that gun back. How great day this has turned out to be. I'm suicidal. My mate tries to kill me. My gun gets nicked and we're still in fucking bruise. I read that he, before the Golden Globes, Colin Farrell bet Brendan Gleeson that Colin Farrell would win the award. So he like won the bet too, which is just so ballsy to be like, I bet you yeah. I'm going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh my god that's amazing that is that's young cocky colin there for mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. um was there anything else that either of you saw that you particularly liked yeah i i wanted to shout out um just two things that we hadn't mentioned yet um we we dropped on a bit the north water the amc plus series that came out last yes. year it's i i watched it last year and it's really it's incredible stuff. It's really like harrowing. It's about um, in the mid 19th century, I think there's like this Arctic expedition. That's basically the premise. And Jake o- uh, Jack O'Connell, sorry, plays the lead who like get he's like a doctor who gets onto the expedition. He's like he committed. I think he accidentally killed somebody. He committed some sort of crime. And so he's like hiding away on this expedition. And Colin Farrell is 
one of just like the whalers on the ship who is basically like the like spawn of say like the worst man you could ever <laughs> imagine he is like disgusting just a horrible horrible person like the pure villain of it and it's basically like a battle like in this existential battle of good versus evil um played out over five episodes in like the pure arctic it's like the furthest north i think um for this north or for the south i think for this north that like any productions ever shot like it looks unbearable wow. watching it um <laughs> andrew high the guy who did like weekend and looking uh wrote and directed oh, wow. the whole thing it's really it's really really impressive it gave me like the kind of um like brutal bleak like existential search for like the will to live that a lot of people got out of uh the revenant the movie which like i i don't like that movie at all no, i didn't it's a get bad that movie. out of that movie <laughs> but so the north water for me was what like the revenant was for a lot of people and because it's on amc plus like most people aren't even aware that it exists right, or like right. haven't seen it but yeah i would highly recommend people check that out um and just the other thing that i wanted to shout out is after yang uh, yes, yes. I was about this to say. year as well. Oh, that was the other movie this year that I left out. Oh yeah, yeah. no, he's yeah. great in it. He's yeah. so good and it's such a beautiful movie. Like talk about existential, like a movie mm-hmm. that just really makes you think about life and what we leave behind and what we still have from others that have been left behind with us and like just everything about that like what you want from your loved ones and what you want to give to your loved ones it's such a beautiful movie and the fact that that came out the same exact weekend as the batman is like yeah. the perfect Wild. like nexus of like what colin farrell is at this point the in his range. career the like, range yeah. <laughs> i do also want to you know i reiterate roman j is real esquire um it, it's so not a good it's not a huge role he is you know uh very much supporting but yeah, he's so good in it. Denzel's so good in it. It's yeah, really worth your time. Um, I know you weren't the world's biggest fan, but Undine, I really and I really like watching like Love Lorne, like just sad dad. Like just <laughs> he's really rapper. well cast in it. Yeah. Like he's very, very well cast in that, I think. Um, my tra- my my trash picks for fun is um Daredevil and Phone Booth. <laughs> phone booth, baby. Let's go. Phone booth the recruit. SWAT, all great movies. Everybody check them out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get into our fast forward. We talked about like he's having a year currently. Yes. I, I don't know if Mitchell, like this was like even on your brain, but I was like, 13 Lives came out this week. Um, the Batman <laughs> came out like this year. So did After Yang. Um, there's a lot going on with this guy. And yeah. I mean, he still has the Banshees of Inisherin. Yes. Um, a huge year. Jesus, four big movies. Yeah. And so, like, he's not resting on his laurels. Um, you know, he he still has other things up ahead. There's a the Batman TV show, the Boo. Penguin spinoff. Yeah, I don't I don't really know why. Who needs and it? I think the craziest thing that he's scheduled to do that I'm excited for is he's signed up for the new Todd Sullins movie. And it's oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's him and Rachel Weiss again. Beautiful. And it's about an eleven year old boy scheming to reshape his mother's love life to disastrous consequences. That's the polite way of putting it. I've read another um, <laughs> review of it that says like it's about a boy who's in love with his mother who's decided to kill his father so they can get closer. And mm. So, very Oedipus, very... Yeah, okay, Oedipal. I mean, I'm excited for that stuff. I love that he's still doing that stuff. That he, you know, And like I said, you know, that, that thing that he did with Hugh Grant, where he's like, I'll still do these, like, 
scripts that are you know, yeah. that are nothing as long as it gets money for my kids and then I'm going to go off and do these things uh, you know at the risk of being pretentious that that you know our art or are, are, are about acting and me entertaining people and yeah. you know, and and I think I feel like we keep bringing her up but I think back to our Rachel Vice episode and I think to myself we asked that question you know there's some people who get into acting to act and some people who get into acting to be movie stars and Rachel Vice is very much a person that's an actor I think Colin Farrell's there too. I think if you if all you know about Colin Farrell is the early part of his career, the tabloid part of his career, the the drug part of his career, the the you know one thousand girlfriends part of his career, yeah, that looks bad. But, but it, that but was also, literally a three year period, right? But also like those movies, like Hollywood was putting him in these like movies where it's like soldier soldiers, and they're all the same. They're all the yeah. same. Like Hearts War, like all those movie roles are like it's just him being you know. And, and I, I wanted to say this, like, you know, I think doing this episode, I was like, wow, what a career, like amazing to get to do all this stuff. And then I realized I was like, unfortunately, I think Colin Farrell has had this amazing career because he is a hot, white, straight I guy. Was, I was exactly going to bring this up, too. Yeah. Because um, the opportunities he's had are incredible to be yeah. able to do the amount of flops he's done <laughs> and to be able to do, you know, shitty you know kind of popcorn tbs police movies and then also be able to do the lobster and like all those other indie flicks and you know be chaotic bisexuals in movies like you know like viola davis is not getting those opportunities you know somebody like Derek luke is somebody who did like antoine fisher and then like catch a fire where like they were trying to like make him happen and like the movies just weren't like going huge and then he just kind of fizzled out a bit and he's like he's a fantastic actor but yeah it was definitely like an idea um a thought that i had in my mind too when just like thinking about this episode and just my appreciation for his whole arc and the fact that he like had you know kind of this stumbling first right. like 10 years of his career right. of trying to figure it out that like you know obviously he can't help the privilege no. that he has but like right. if he wasn't a very attractive straight white guy like he would not have the career he has he would not have gotten the chances that he got you're absolutely right there are advantages that are very much afforded to him because of his race and because and of his say, sex you i know? will say like this is he is an excellent actor and he deserves all like you know I don't think that there are too many movies that we saw where he's like phoning it in or not delivering what he was hired to do. Um, I thought of it because I saw 13 lives and I was like, these fucking tie actors are incredible. Yeah. Like, and and they're, and they're like mostly kind of peppered around reacting to everything that's happening. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, and I was like, these fucking tie guys are just as hot as he is. And they are, you know, like, not don't have any of the opportunities it needs to be said you know not everyone gets the colin farrell treatment and i'm just saying it because i'm also happy that he fucking deserves it because if if he was a fucking right. hack if he was a hack i'd be very right. mad but he is not he's very good um and there are those and sometimes they get weeded out and sometimes they do not sometimes so. they do not um, is there anything else that either of you would like to see him do that he either hasn't done or hasn't done in a while that you sort of miss? I, so this is kind of, 
and like thinking about like what I would like him to do, it's it's an interesting topic for him because it is like he's kind of doing it right. Like he's he's really just hitting you know all of the points. But the thing that I think that I would really like him to do speaks more to a thing that just doesn't really exist that much anymore which is like i would just love like a straight down the line rom-com uh with him yeah. like he he is yeah. so funny he's so charming like in interviews and everything he has so much charisma and it's just like really I, as we spoke about like he's got this romantic side to him that really comes out i would love bright wall dark room did like a twitter like prompt recently of like who would you want to see in a rom-com and like my first thought was colin farrell and michelle yo like doing that yes. together oh in a rom-com God. would be phenomenal yeah. yeah i i i think he like does bumbling guy really well yeah. like i'm hot but it's like hard for me to like <laughs> exist um yeah i, I think you're right I, I i think he's always good doing comedy i also think he's just really good being physical you know yeah he, and like we talked about a lot of the movies where he's like still in He's got this inner turmoil, right? Because he's always furrowed and brooding. But also when he gets to be physical, it's really fun to watch. And like whether it's physical comedy like Horrible Bosses or, you know, um, putting on all that makeup to become the penguin. Like it's he gets to really like, I don't know, use his body. And it's not just like, here I am shirtless for no reason because I'm not. <laughs> um, it, it, he's He really gets to play. And so I think like doing more big comedy or rom-com stuff would be great. I'm going to steal a cue from him and say, and of course, this interview I saw with him, he had just wrapped Miss Julie and he's like, you know, I've just done four really heavy dramas. I called my agent. I was like, can you find me a John Wick? And, and, <laughs> he, st- uh, yeah. and he still hasn't um, done anything like that. And, and like he said, like an action movie, but with like a really singular stylistic viewpoint. Yeah. Um, I I would love to see that. I would love to see him get involved in something like that. I don't need to see him pop up in a Marvel movie. I think he's sort of already God, done no. his done his time. But I think having him show up in the Batman was sort of the best way to do that, which is right. under makeup, letting him but bring out the charactery side of Colin Farrell. And he's like not even like the main villain of it. Right. Like right. He's like a right. supporting like villain. Right. Like yeah, it was just really smart casting there. Um, but like I I don't need him to show up as like you know well, that, like that Crimson reminds me of Dynamo and Iron Man or something. <laughs> Well, that reminds me of another, like, Holly Berry, I think, is a very good parallel. Like, she yeah. has, That's you know, a great, yeah. Won an Oscar, has done a couple of, like, superhero things, but, like, not, absolutely not just has. Wa- not just won an Oscar, won the Oscar. Yes. To date, the yes. only yes. black the woman yeah. Oscar yeah. for Best Actress. Yeah, they're around the same age, like, and but she now is mostly, like, doing, like, tip spots for, like, you know, oh, that's Holly Berry. But, like, she has had such uh, more limited opportunities, like, yeah. where's Holly Berry's lobster? Okay, how about mm. that? Yeah. That would be rad. Colin Farrell and Halle Berry in a rom-com. I would watch, oh my that. God. I'd watch the hell out of that. Hello. Oh, Jesus. I have to go be alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, I think that really wraps up Colin. Uh, I think he's an incredible actor. I, I was telling Mitchell before we even started this, I don't think I gave him enough credit ever. Because yeah. yeah. I thought of him as like, you know, he's like a... He's like an actor guy, but no, he's like a capital A actor guy. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm really happy you brought him to the table but mitchell now we get to talk about you this is your time to plug anything that you want anything that you've been working on the one billion projects i know that you're involved in um yeah i i've been working on some stuff um (laughs) i (laughs) my my day job is a senior editor at letterboxd so our editorial platform over there journal um pretty much anything that goes out i've got my hands on in like one way or another it's a lot of cool stuff going on over there i 
occasionally do writing myself over there. I just interviewed Aubrey Plaza, um, oh. which is up now, which was a really dope interview. Um, I was really happy about that. I also interviewed Ed Harris, uh, which wow. is coming out like next week sometime. So the way back, starring Ed Harris. <laughs> we we talked. It was all about the way back. I said, "Hey, buddy, I'm doing I'm doing a podcast on Colin Farrell. <laughs> Give me 30 minutes of your thoughts on him, please. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. we're here for." <laughs> um, but yeah, so that I, I freelance um, around at like the film stage, Pace Magazine and stuff. I have a piece when we're recording this. I have a piece coming out tomorrow at Pace on uh, Late Sleeper, the Paul Schrader, Willem Dafoe movie. That's like one of my favorite movies. So check that out. Very cool. Everybody just be jealous of Mitchell. They've yeah. got stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> Verified on Twitter. You know, I got made that oh. <laughs> Well, I will, that. I will see myself out, I guess. <laughs> it's honestly the dumbest thing that they've ever done like i have no idea why that happened i was just like let me just throw this out there and see what happens i you said when my good happened, friend abby plaza says i should be verified <laughs> when it happened i texted uh my partner and i was like yo you're not gonna believe what the fuck just happened <laughs> um, i'm a blue check mark and i'm sorry we can't date anymore yeah. <laughs> this is a very lobster situation sorry, you're below my yeah. status yeah <laughs> I am Miss Julie, you are <laughs> but my valet. Um, take the money and go to the barn. Um, <laughs> that is, what a weird reference. Uh, but yeah, if you want to contact us on this show, who are doing some stuff too, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. Or on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog of episodes, including as you've been doing with this episode, you can find us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, Audible. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please go there. Leave us a five-star rating. Yes, please, five-star. And write us a little review. It helps other people find us, gets us in the mix of the algorithm, and we grow our audience that way. It's just like phone booth, okay? We're all connected. And sometimes it's bad, okay? So think about that. In 2002, it would have been crazy, okay? <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Mitchell, for coming yes, on. You thank are you, so Mitchell. Great. Thank you. Thank you guys both so much. It was such a blast. And we will be back in two weeks with a brand new subject. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. I've been holding on to my past too long. Drown out my sorrows and all. Because I'm gone, my mind's all gone I've been wasting too much time I'm in a big hurry 